You're listening to a special edition of the iFanboy.com comic book podcast, Q&A with Marvel's Jim McCann. Hey, welcome to a special edition of the iFanboy podcast. I'm Ron. I'm here with... I'm Josh. And Connor. And we have a special guest this time around. I'm Jim. Jim from Marvel. Um, Jim has been kind enough to give us some time of his day to answer some of your questions. Um, but before we get started, Jim, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do at Marvel, for those who aren't in the know. I'm Jim McCann. Um, I have a strange title. Uh, we don't really put marketing in the title of our uh, job descriptions here quite often. So, uh, But I'm mostly known as Marvel's PR and publicity guy. Fair enough. So, and you might have recognized Jim if you've attended a convention in the past year or so. Yes, right? I'm you, the guy that runs around like crazy. Do you go to every uh, convention? I do. Wow. I do. I, I uh, come up with the presentations, decide what we're announcing, what panels we're doing, who's going to be on the panel. So I kind of run all those. So wow. and and get Jokas out of there. Unreasonable time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, um, earlier th- um, earlier this week, we posted on ifanboy.com. We asked everybody to um, that we're going to be talking to you and if they had any questions. Yes. And so we actually got a tremendous response. I see this. So we're going to do our best to um, get through them, um, and hopefully we can answer some good questions. So Yes, and uh, apologies to all. I'm not completely 100%, so if my voice gives out, that's when we'll be stopping. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's best to, disclaim- to do a disclaimer that um, uh, you reserve the right to decline an answer yeah. if something is not either but it's in your not because I'm a jerk. It's all because you know that answer will be re- uh, it'll be revealed very soon, and then retconned, and then retconned. <laughs> Who are scrolls? Uh, Electra. Oh, nice. And Electra, <laughs> and another Electra. Oh. That's the secret of the secret There's invasion. Electras, is yeah. that it's just Electra? <laughs> the white repeated Electra, times. red Electra. But none yeah. of them are actually. Electra, because <laughs> she's been dead for 20 years. But Jennifer Garner will be put into the Marvel Universe. <laughs> is she a scroll? She is. Okay. That's why she did that movie. All right, enough of our questions. Let's get to our uh, listeners. All right, so our first question comes from Chris, who asks, um, what do you think Marvel needs to do in order to keep up with the advances and different uses of technology, like podcasting, web comics, downloadable comics, without losing its core fans who want their books in their hands on, and on the shelves at the local comic book stores every week? Well, Chris, that's a very important question that a lot of people are asking. Um, there are a lot of companies coming out with uh, their digital comic plans. Marvel will be announcing that possibly uh, in the next couple of weeks, actually. So look for an announcement about digital comics. However, we do have digital comics available on our website. There's hundreds of free ones right now. And the way we use those is we put up um, the first issue or the first couple of issues of a book where the trade is being released currently to kind of get people interested in it and drive them into the stores because the direct market really is uh, the the core of our uh, audience and of our industry. So we don't want to scare people away from their local comic book store and just have them sitting in their computer reading it. And I also think, though, that... Um, there's, it kind of goes to the nature of comics, too. Novels went through this a couple of years ago, and I remember Stephen King put out a novel that was only available for download. I remember that, yeah. And it was a flop. I love you, Stephen, but <laughs> it, was not, it was not well received. There's something about books, um, about the process of reading, that people want the product in their hand. They want to be able to be at the beach or on the train or anywhere. And yeah, as we get to tablet computers and smaller computers and iPhones, which Josh was flaunt- flaunting a moment I'm ago. I'm turning it off so we don't have to record <laughs> this again. <laughs> um, I learned that by experience. That there, will be, uh, there will be some people that will want the downloadable comics, but we have like the complete X-Men or the complete 
Spider-Man. While that's really fun and interesting uh, to to look at, I have those. I have the Spider-Man. Yeah. I have the CD version of the Spider-Man. Oh. The forty yeah. discs. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. pretty fun. But I looked at it twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't find yourself going there. You go to the computer for other things, right. but not so much with the comics, right. um, or at least not our comics. Right. Um, but I would say also. Uh, what we need to keep up with, uh, as far as the uses of technology, um, you're going to see a lot of difference in, uh, and I think we're one of the leading things in that, in that uh, we use a lot more digital coloring and digital painting. That's where you're going to see it. Not in the delivery of your comics, but in the quality of your comics. Um, you're also going to see a lot of artists like Joe Casada is a big proponent of SketchUp. So that's one of the, the things. The Spider-Man yep. issues have had that. Yeah, I noticed so, that. Um, actually, is, we think that SketchUp is a program from Google, which is allows for 3D rendering. Um, and so it's a it's yeah. really kind of a cool program that allows you to. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. We have we have uh, now we have in house people working on the Avengers Tower, Doctor Strange's Mansion, wow. things like that, doing 3D rendering models so that artists can have access to that. So it's going to look consistent across the board. People will be able to use that and put their own twist on it. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe change the color it's, of the drapes or something. More like a blueprint than yes. actually drawing the the building. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no, I think there are going to be a lot more um, advances. Or I think. I think the way the advances in technology are going to be more um, uh, apparent to the consumer is in the quality of the comics rather than the way it's, it gets to you. Cool. All right. Um, I, would a- I would ask some follow-up questions, but I know there are, this topic comes back. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, oh, great. All right. So our next question comes from Paper, who says, um, when you hear about major events with potential for mainstream news atten- attention, like the unmasking of Spider-Man, the death of Captain America, what is your first move? What kind of time frame are you working with, and what thoughts are going through your head? Well, Paper, I ask your parents why they named you Paper. <laughs> and if their names are uh, Gwyneth Paltrow or <laughs> Jason Lee. No, um... Well, I know well in advance what our major tent poles are because that's part of what I have to do. Um, not, so, you weren't surprised by Captain America. Oh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> what? what we were surprised about, though, is, is how quickly news like that spread. This story I've, I've told a number of times, but um, we had already gone through the unmasking of Spider-Man, which made it onto Yahoo's homepage on, like, I think it was on the Thursday or the... No, it, it, may was, have been, was, it was the Wednesday. Wednesday. It was oh, okay. Wednesday, yeah. And but it was it early. It was, like, noonish, right? Yeah. 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 But, but that started to yeah. build and started to build at least a couple stores were able to get open. Right. Now, honestly, the way that information travels so quickly today, especially through the internet, um, if fans want to be surprised about anything, I highly suggest not going on the internet, not not even opening an internet browser until you have something in your hand. We had told people that Cap 25 was going to be big. We, we let you know that something major is coming. Um, like the Heroes season finale, I missed by one day. I didn't open the internet. I didn't go on anything for about 24 hours because I didn't want to be spoiled. But in, in this day and age, is that possible? Uh, you know what? You it, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. I, for me, it's I, you guys yeah. are You guys are all going to laugh at me. Yeah. I still have no idea what the secret of Fight Club is. <laughs> wow. I'm because I have never, I never, I haven't seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I mean, I want to see the movie, but I just I have no time. It turns out Bruce Willis is dead. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I just, Anytime I see anything relating to that, I avoid it. It's a little more difficult when Cap 25 is all over the place. And that, honestly, that that did surprise me. What we do, the first move, though, is to see, all right, where does this story break? Today we showed the first drawings of Cap uh, of the new Captain America designs from Alex Ross. Um, 
And there was a lot of internal debate as to whether or not that was a comics story or a mainstream story. We didn't want to confuse the mainstream public, though, because this is not the return of Steve Rogers. That's the last time they heard about Captain America. So we didn't want people to immediately think that Cap 25 was invalid and thus cast another pall on the comics industry the way Death of Superman did. So we chose to go smaller with a comic release. Uh, So we put it on Marvel.com. And all the news sites picked it up, but it didn't show up on Google or anything like that. And it's not really a massive, oh my God, story point. The the Cap death, it was, uh, yeah, it was huge that we were killing him. We actually had a couple of small leaks, but nobody pointed them out. There was uh, there was the unedited cover at the end of Civil War Seven. It was on one of the last pages of Civil War Seven, like with the bloody hands. We were all freaking out, thinking, oh my God, everybody's going to know what's happening. And yet it still didn't happen. It still didn't break. Then that morning I was getting ready to come into work. I knew that the story was going to be on page two of the Daily News. So when you open it up, it's right there. Uh, What I didn't realize is that Ethan Sachs, the writer of that piece, had filed his story with the AP at midnight that night. So about 40 other print uh, places were able to put it in their uh, papers and then also television news we're talking about it that's where it broke for a lot of people cnn my dad called he was on a business trip in alabama my father's a mortgage banker he's about a farthest thing away from a comics fan that i i have so what i i don't tell him what major things are going on if i know that we're going to have a mainstream push on it because i want him to say hey i heard about this that's how i know how quickly things have gotten to the mainstream so he was as about as far away from a comic shop in, in new york as possible in a, a little hotel in alabama and he op- calls me up and he's still half asleep because it's seven o'clock in the morning where he was and said I can't believe you killed Cap. <laughs> I said, what? How did you hear about it? Because um, I knew we didn't get the daily news. And he said, they're debating it on Fox and Friends. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not going to use this opportunity to yell at you for watching Fox News, but I am going to say, oh, my God. So I knew it was going to be big then. So even your dad calls you up to give you shit for stuff that Marvel does. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why did you kill Hawkeye? All right, not I this know. again. You ruined Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I didn't kill him. Uh, so, you know, it's not me. Yeah, I'll give you Ed Brubaker's number and you can call him. All right, cool. Well, that uh, that's really interesting because I see how the media yes. kind of yeah, defines we, we, what you're we have a do. Yeah. You know, you really take a look and see, is this going to be a mainstream media? Is this going to be this? Um, like with the scroll event, uh, there there will be a bit of a mainstream slant in that this kind of has like a red scare feel of who right. can you trust. But that's not very – that's not incredibly topical right now. But there is, actually. there. If you really look at it, there's this huge seed of mistrust going on in the American populace. And so I think there's going to be a really good way to spin that. Um, it's just a matter of working with the right outlet and that writer and that outlet having the right spin. That's why we went with uh, the Post for the Unmasking of Spider-Man, because the Daily Bugle has always been like the, the Post. post. Yeah. So, you know, we could have gone to anybody, but we were like... Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so if you had to split up how much between the traditional, you know, typical media versus the comics media, what is the split? Is it like 25-75? Or like, because well, I would imagine not... You know, honestly, a lot of the, It's yeah. becoming more. I yeah. mean, it is, it is about 25-75, um, but... There are some things that go all the way across the board. You know, 50-50, there are some topics that everybody wants this and that. Like Brian K. Vaughn right now, um, with everything that Brian's doing, uh, we have mainstream people wanting it. 
wanting stuff about his stuff, or wanting information about his books, and Comic Press wanting to cover. We have Logan, it's just a miniseries with he and Eduardo Rizzo that is going to come out next year, and MTV News was just in to talk about it. They because him, yeah. he's, yeah. yeah. Um, so it depends. Comics are coming, uh, people are coming back to comics in droves, and so comics are becoming more accepted in the mainstream. So the mainstream's coming back to comics. And you've well. got to be there and be ready to deal with it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. All oh right. my God, we've only answered two questions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, next question comes from Pisces Paul, who has two simple questions that he's very curious about. I like simple. Uh, what is your favorite part of what is your favorite part of your job, and what part of your job do you hate? Clocking in, clocking. Oh, clocking out, <laughs> clocking in. No. Um, let's see. No, my favorite part of my job is. Honestly, it's um, seeing people get as excited as I am. That's that's what I always say. My goal is is to get people as excited as I am about our product. Um, so when I see people really react well, like Messiah Complex is coming up, and we released the first images of that. We've been able to keep pretty tight-lipped about the story elements and things like that, and I've been really proud of that because this is a story that has twists and turns at every issue. All 13 chapters is gonna, are going to blow people away. I've been there since we broke the story in the retreat, and I have been jumping up and down. I mean, the inner hardcore X-Men fan in me <laughs> has just been giddy. Awesome. So when I, can, <laughs> when I can see everybody else getting as excited, then I love it. Yeah. Conversely, what do I hate? Having to keep quiet about a lot of that stuff. But, uh, and I hate it when things break before their time. I will definitely say that. Um, I hate leaks. I hate it when assholes <laughs> feel like they have big enough balls to go out and ruin somebody else's story and post spoilers just because they may have overheard something or information came into their hands. You're not powerful. You're not big. That's your one moment to either prove that you're a stand-up person or a dick, and you're a dick if you spoil it. Yeah. There's that one blog that, that seemed to have gotten everything from Civil War like months before. And yeah. I, yeah, and it was just like – and I got to the point where I just stopped going there because oh, yeah. I, I don't want it ruined for me. So, it's, yeah. It drives me absolutely crazy. People yeah. who think that they're entitled to spoil somebody else's story just because information is out there does not entitle you to post it. Right. Does the, does the three-month lag between when something is in previews and when it shows out, does that make your job harder? Oh, definitely. We have, we have long discussions about what can be shown, what can't be shown. Mm -hmm especially now that we're going more towards story-oriented covers versus the... I mean, when I Bill Jemis first yeah. came around, I mean, honestly, go back and look at all of the covers from Ultimate Spider-Man the first, like, couple of years. It just poses. You... I have no idea what happened in those that's issues. My, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in general is that yeah. is, and they, they tease me about it because I want the cover to explain what the book I'm going to read but, is. Right. And, you know, but so. because of the, the retail model, that yeah. doesn't ruin anything, though. Right, yeah. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But we also have to be careful about what we solicit yeah. because retailers need those 30 words. We have to sell them yeah. in 30 words enough to buy something. Yeah. Fortunately, I think we're doing a pretty good job lately of following up on hype we say something's going to change or stick, it changes and sticks. Right. People thought the initiative was going to go away very quickly. It has not. Right. People thought Cap's death, he didn't really die. We were going to – I mean, some people were thinking that it was going to be revealed in the very next issue. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is any time we get faced with, oh, well, when's he really coming back? We push <laughs> – we know that he'll eventually come back. Yeah. We say, you know what? We're not even going to think about it. I mean, we're planning 2008, and he hasn't shown up on any planning documents. Yeah. So we just – we have the new Cap. Okay. You'll see him in January. We're moving awesome. on. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, Tad asks, it's not a Marvel Comics question, but a Marvel Animation question. Uh, if there's a series with a Marvel character, are there always notes from Marvel 
the notes are assumed to come from one person acting. He's basically wondering if there's yeah. a person at Marvel who watches over the animated stuff to make sure it's in line with the comic stuff. Well, we have Marvel Studios now that did the Doctor Strange and they have the Iron Man movie. We're aware of what they're doing and they're aware of what we're doing. And in fact, um, Craig they're Kyle. In LA, right? Yeah, they're yeah. in LA. Yeah. But Craig Kyle, who writes New X Men, um, writes. Are, uh, is, is like the head of production for those guys. So, you know, he's aware and we're aware, but it, one doesn't drive the other. We don't have to suddenly make all the people in Doctor Strange have kick-ass kung fu magic <laughs> like the cartoon was, but that would be cool if we did because I loved that cartoon. Um, but uh, at the same time, we're not going to be putting out a comic for the teen Avengers the way they have the comic for that coming up, right. or the the cartoon rather for that. Yeah. So um, we're aware, and they do check, they do some fact checks. But those guys out there, they do their homework. They're comics fans as well, so there doesn't necessarily we got to put eighty books out a month. We can't also you put focus out the, on what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, right. we're putting um, out the comics. Tad also um, wants yes, to Tad. know is that when he was younger, uh, Marvel was the perpetual underdog to DC, sort of when when Marvel was coming up, and then at some point, uh, was this in the fifties, sixties, uh, maybe? 60s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, it, and now it seems like DC's running catch-up to Marvel, so you wanted to know if there was any specific events or things that you thought that took Marvel over the top, or was it slow, steady growth? Well, you know, um, Marvel was at the top of its game in the 80s, 80s early yeah. 80s, late late 70s, early 80s. The X-Men came out, and it was the franchise to beat. DC was the one playing catch-up. That's why they introduced Teen Titans. Yeah. Um, then the 90s came, and it was an explosion, and everybody was kind of neck and neck, Print runs were outrageous, and uh, things were returnable, so you couldn't. You, there's no way to track what the success is. But um, and then the industry fell, um, and then yeah, Marvel filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> <Dark> uh, times. <laughs> but I would say, and, and I, I actually just recently went back and looked at market share numbers um, for a couple of years ago, and we were pretty much neck and neck. Uh, and I would say that the thing that really put us back over the top, uh, ultimate Spider-Man, Brian Bendis coming along that really helped. And then, um, we've stayed, we've stayed pretty consistent only maybe, uh, probably winning. I know we've won one. I say, I'm sorry. It's not necessarily <laughs> winning. Not Marvel has led market share 10 out of at least 10 out of 12 months for the past three or four years. So um, I would just say, honestly, it's a combination of Joe and Dan's leadership, uh, the amazing talent that we have here, the stories we're churning out. Um, We don't really look and see what the other guys are doing. We're focused on what we're doing. And so we're just telling these stories. Um, I think the talent that we have that want to come here and the writers, it's it's everybody. It's a big team effort. Product, putting out a better product. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the next question is, yes. is from someone whose name is not Ted. Oh, all right. Uh, basically, um, it seems like he said it seems like Marvel's been, been doing a good job cultivating new talent lately. Mm-hmm. Specifically, he mentions Jeff Parker and Kari Evans. Um, what is it that Marvel does to go about finding new new talent, writers and artists especially? We have a talent liaison and a talent manager, C.B. Sobolski and Chris Allo, respectively. And um, their job is to meet with talent, to find new talent. We find them at conventions. Um, Marco Djurjevic, who's a cover artist, we found on the internet. Um, he had done these awesome redesigns of He-Man. And it was crazy. And uh, we contacted him. He did some work, and our, the rest is history. And now, you know, he's moving on to interior work for us. So, you know, we find guys 
everywhere. I mean, there's talent out there. We're con- I think that's another thing. We're constantly looking for new talent. Um, we want to keep cultivating and bringing in new guys and, and elevating them. And I think you're going to see there's a, a new crop of guys that are coming up that I think people are going to be talking about years from now. So um, we just always keep our eyes and ears open and, you know, uh, and, and give positive feedback, too, because I've seen some people that – we may have rejected their portfolio at Wizard World LA, which is generally the first show of the season. But by the time Chicago comes around, literally there have been two people where it was like, oh my God, this this was the same guy. So, you know, just hang in there and stay persistent, but stay professional. Sometimes rejection is good because it makes it you refine and get better. So. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I would probably be able to follow up on that, but I think there's questions on that one later, yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Neb writes, uh, as a long-time reader, I'm beginning to find that both Marvel and DC are getting too event-happy. Marvel, for instance, went from Civil War to World War Hulk and now to Bennis' Skrull event starting in February. All these events tend to intertwine into all the books and often interrupt the flow of a creative team uh, that leads to a decline in quality. How do you respond to fans who think events have become more about the bottom line than telling quality stories? I would disagree. I would also heavily disagree that it leads to a decline in quality because then sales would be down and they're not. They're up. Um, but also, it's not a matter of event, event, event. If you think about it, one, it's just serialized storytelling. We happen to be putting a name on it on top to help people go, oh, this relates to that. Okay. But ever since uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one guest starred the Fantastic Four, it was a crossover. Spider-Man started with a crossover, people. <laughs> so, but it was a different time. I mean, and all. And all, uh, and all, and all and I also, hear the birds <laughs> chirping now. <laughs> but I'm it was an innocent advocate. time. I'm playing devil's advocate. Your eyes are so big and blinky. <laughs> no, the eighties. The eighties had very successful crossovers. Uh, look at look at uh, Secret Wars. It gave us Venom. Um, it really, yeah, it gave us the Beyonder and brought Jerry Curl back and stuff. <laughs> no, I mean there have been there have been events and there have been crossovers. There have been. Uh, it, it's it's been consistent throughout the history of the medium. It's nothing new. Um, we're not getting event happy. We're telling a story that has ramifications, and so each story follows the next. We can't tell our stories to exist in a vacuum because then you don't. It doesn't seem like anything matters. If you're spending three dollars on a book, you want what happens in that book to matter in the future. And that's what events, that's what crossovers, that's what happens. Also, creator, it's not interrupting creators. Every creator has the opportunity to join in or not. No one has ever been forced to do a crossover. But that, that's more recent. I mean, in the, there are tales of the 80s and 90s when people oh, would yeah. have a crossover thrust upon them. Well, and, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, ever, so. since, ever yeah. since we started with House of M, yeah. um, Everybody's had the chance to jump in the pool That's or good. not, um, and they are aware of where we're going in the story, where the overall Marvel Universe is going. We're all aware of where it's going to be through the middle of 2008, so nothing's interrupting any creator. They are aware of what's happening, and the, their story will fold in or will be reflective of the greater tapestry of the Marvel U when, they're, when, when it comes about it. If you're listening at home, I can see he means what he's saying. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's just reading these. Like he's not a press release. Eyes, like, it's not, no, they're good. <laughs> um, paper is back, and he says, "Do you have any communication with your counterpart at DC? Is it a spy versus spy kind of relationship?" For a second, when you said paper is back, I was like, oh, as opposed to digital downloading, like we talked earlier, paper is back. Um, I actually do. His name is Alex Segurda. Um, and we always joke whenever 
I am at a convention, or, uh, when we're both at conventions, I will go over to his booth and pretend that my feet are on fire. <laughs> um, and we have shared a drink or two, um, and we email occasionally every once in a while. And it's uh, it's not like, haha, you suck, I rule. Um, it's more like a, hey, how are you? Um, good job on this. And... Oh my God! Get me out of here! Can I'm so fi- tired. Can you find that you have like the same kind of trench stories? Like, like- oh my God! Yeah, we have we have a lot of stories about um, people mm-hmm. and and things like you know he has stories about lesbian Batwoman backlash and sure. I have stories about crazy right wingers calling about killing Captain America when we need him the most. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, Jefferson writes, uh, Jefferson Workman actually writes, says, what is the process in considering a title or collection to be published as an omnibus edition? As far as an omnibus edition, we, we refer, we consider the omnibus to be like seminal runs. Um, also things that are, uh, very different, that, that haven't been in print. So a lot of those early ones, like the, ama- uh, the amazing Spider-Man and the fantastic four ones, those were only available in the masterworks and those had been out of print. So they also hadn't been that oversized. Um, and I believe in the omnibus, we put the letters pages. I mean, we put it whole cloth. So we're collecting right now, like very important, uh, materials that haven't been done in an oversized hardcover and that'll look pretty on your coffee table. No, uh, the sem- seminal runs and, uh, and, and also the relevance of what it has in today's market because uh, you're going to see next year some of the omnibus, omnibuy, omnibus. Somebody uses omnibuy later in this. I laughed. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, that is the plural. Yeah. Some of the omnibuy um, will have relevance to what's going on in the Marvel U. Because that's with all a lot of your trades. I mean, I, I mean it's, it doesn't take a genius to realize that <laughs> the trades are coming out. They're kind of mirroring what's going on currently. So, yes. yeah. All right, our next question comes from Matthew Guy, who wants to know when Marvel is going to match the Canadian dollar to the U.S. dollar in terms of price on issues and trades. It's time for fair market value for Marvel Comics on both sides of the border. Matthew is from Canada. <laughs> One can only assume. Um, That's just a very sympathetic Wisconsinite. Yes. <laughs> he lives in Detroit. He's like, those guys get screwed. <laughs> I would like to know if he asked DC the same question. No. Um, Marvel has already reissued. Uh, I don't have the figures in front of me, unfortunately. I'm very sorry. But I do believe that our um, – I know that we, I don't know if we've made an announcement about it or if it's just going to happen – but our Canadian prices and our American prices for our comics will be much closer um, in the coming months. I cannot answer towards the trades. Um, I don't have any say in the trades pricing. I don't have any say in the pricing at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's free. No. Um, say whatever you want, really. so, well, it sounds like it's some progress, so maybe yes. you can hang us out on that. So, And then their money's worth more, and then, you know. Yeah, so, so, so you know. It's all oh, Canada. Anyway, um, all right. Next question comes from Dan, who um, asked for your. Pers- but Canada has very clean restaurants. Canada is clean that. just in general. They yeah, really are. Yeah, they, yeah. I love them. Um, so their I love population you, is only thirty million. Did you know that? It's tiny. That's crazy. Because yeah, it's all north. Anyway. Does that include Sasquatch? <laughs> yes. It, oh, uh, that's it. <laughs> thirty million eight. <laughs> okay, so next question comes from Sasquai. Dan. Sasquai. <laughs> we just had a moment. <laughs> All right, from a question from Dan, uh, asking your personal opinion. What's more important, a good story or staying within continuity? What are some of the biggest missteps Marvel has taken in a- areas of story over continuity and vice versa? I'd say the two aren't mutually exclusive, first of all. Um, I would say look at what Dan Slott is doing over in Avengers the Initiative, and you'll see it's a great story that fits seamlessly within continuity. Um... As far as missteps and story over continuity and vice versa, honestly, every story, be it story-driven or continuity-driven, is 
the honest hard work of a lot of people. So I don't really feel comfortable crapping all over their work. I feel like he's got something in mind that he yeah that he wants yeah <laughs> maybe if you'd given us a little more to go with uh, no I I mean yeah I, do I think that we've never made any missteps no I don't um, but I think everybody would agree on that um, but you know I, I think there are tons of good stories that deal with continuity out there and then there's also the Marvel Knights line which are great stories that are set outside continuity, like Silver Surfer Requiem, which I encourage everybody to pick up. Now, is Marvel so Knights good. across the board out of continuity? Or yeah. is it, so out of, uh, everything it's Marvel a boutique. Knights, it's a boutique okay. line. That's now, though. That's now. It wasn't yeah, previously. Not, not when, like, Joe and Jimmy did Daredevil, yep. but uh, we relaunched it with Spider-Man Reign. Yeah. Um, because we, it was when we were about to do Moon Knight, oh, and it so was a Marvel Knights. Oh, so the same cover treatment yes. now? Oh, that all makes sense now. Oh, yeah. it just clicked. Cap the Chosen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, so Cap the Chosen is out of continuity. Continuity. Exactly. All right. They argued over that, and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big man. All right. Yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Out. All right. Our next question comes from Simon or Simone. Um, Simone. He wants to know what are the page dimensions uh, that you give to your artists to draw comics, like height, width, resolution, color, depth, bleed, etc. <laughs> Good. <laughs> He's an artist. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, Simon, I have no idea, to be perfectly honest. Is there a place you can find that on? Well, isn't this Yeah, I, mean, I would go original. to marvel.com, um, or I would ask, like, send an email. Uh, Chester, uh, C.B. Sabolsky has a blog. Uh, ask C.B. on his blog, because he can answer it in a heartbeat. Yeah, we'll post a link to that blog. So, okay. Yeah. Yay. All right. And what do I recommend for self-publishing? A lot of people ask about breaking in to the industry. Honestly, do not doubt the power of self-publishing. Um, it is far easier to break in with um, a very indie-looking self-published book than, but I have this really great cloak and dagger pitch. You know, we would rather be able to see something that you've produced and that you worked hard on, and we know you're going to be able to follow through. And that, that almost seems like the best way for a writer to break in because artists it's can you so can easy. you can like draw on post online, you can do yeah. Project Rooftop, you it's can do all so these kind of much things. easier. But for a writer, yeah, Ugh, it's it's yeah. it's so difficult to yeah. evaluate a writer because you can also look at a pitch, and that's just three paragraphs. Pitch, it doesn't yeah. tell you what their pacing is like, what their dialogue is like. Yeah. They can tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. So. Close to my heart. I know it is. Uh, Darren says, "I truly don't mean to be contentious." Uh oh. That's a great way to start. And I don't often complain about this issue publicly, but are any measures <laughs> being taken at Marvel to alleviate the problems of late shipping books? Most of the time, I don't mind that much, but I'm curious if there's anything in the works about it. We made it only a page and a half before we hit the late, fa- I the late know. topic. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, we had a meeting today, and we acknowledge that there have been a number of recent late shipping did books, but prior to time. that, it did. Okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, honestly, um, I, 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 when I first started at Marvel, I was in the managing editor's office, so I was in charge of tracking deadlines, and I um, was one of the people that said, all right, we're bumping this book. Um, we instituted a couple of policies about a year and a half or two years ago, and you can go back and look at our diamond shipping, and the l- amount of late books were like half, it was a fraction of what it was. We went a really long time without necessarily a lot of late shipping books. Um, the elephant in the room that everybody's gonna at home is going, but what about Civil War? <laughs> and honestly, the thing that was done at Civil War, we could have bumped Civil War week after week after week and quietly done it, and it would have just shown up on Diamond shipping lists and been over on the, you know, a little link here and there. 
What we did, though, was we let people know honestly what it was going to be. We created product for so that the retailers would not lose revenue. It was not a case of us being greedy. It was a case of us not wanting our retailers to lose money because our book was bumping. And we were upfront about it. We said, for the first time, nobody had ever come out and said, we're bumping this massive thing and we're bumping it X number of weeks. We issued a press release, we said it, we got in front of it, and and we stuck we, we stuck to that as, as much as we relatively could. It almost becomes a lose-lose situation, though, for oh, yeah. you guys, because it, if you put a different artist on it, we complain, we'll complain about the yep. quality, it comes out late, we complain that it's late, so, I mean... Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of the things, like uh, miniseries, we're not soliciting until they're mostly done, um, especially mostly. if they're out of... It, <laughs> I, would say about, I would say about four to five months, uh, four, to, four to five issues out of six issues, depending on... Depending on the relevance of the story when it has to come out, because honestly, some people are going to go like a lot of people are scratching their head over where the whole David Hine in humans, son of M epic takes place, especially in relation to World War Hulk. And the reason why it's coming out when it's coming out is because it, it does have its place. We know exactly where it is. But it has to. It can't come out much later than where it is. So, I mean, it, you just run into a number of scheduling issues. Um you're never going to please everybody all the time, but we. I think uh, – look at World War Hulk. World War Hulk, we, j- we shipped every issue on time except this last one, but that's because Johnny um, and Greg needed more pages, honestly. It was solicited at a certain amount. Johnny took a look at the script, and being the master storyteller he is, he said – I need about 11 more pages. Jesus. So we said, all right. So we didn't increase the price. You're getting Good. about you. 12 more pages. You just have to wait two more weeks. Um, but there you go. That's. Do you think Do you think late books are something that you're going to have to deal with for the eternity? Or? <laughs> late books are something we've always had to deal with, which people There's nobody ever noticed keep before. forgetting. Yeah. No, the internet no, just was, wasn't yeah. around. Was the internet kid. wasn't around. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Everybody no. noticed. The internet yeah. wasn't around. I mean – People can yell and scream, it wasn't like that, but it really was. You can go back and look, um, and you'll see that in the 90s, the Image guys, before they left for Image, their books were constantly late. X-Men was always late. I love you, Jim Lee. Um, <laughs> it, um, before that, before, <laughs> before that, if you go back and you look at some runs, you'll see that people there were reprint stories inserted in runs, and that's because books were so late that they were like, well, we got to put something out for the newsstand. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Imagine how much that pissed people off today. I know. <laughs> I read well, this. Well, no. It's, like, it's a repeat. Yeah, what, it's a... Instead, what we're doing, we're catching a little bit of flack for it, but people don't seem to understand, is we're, we're putting out one-shots or annuals so that you're getting some product for that month on a monthly basis. And so, you know, but we're not going to just drop in a a one-off and completely disrupt what the story was and say, oh, we're going to finish this story with issue 637, not when we told you it was going to be finished. (laughs) Not naming names. Not not pointing figures at all. He's talking about action comics. Oh, hey. (gasps) I can say it. I'm not working for Marvel. Uh, Will Lund wants to know, sort of answers, how you process writing submissions. How does he get his to the top of the stack? Um, do you take writing submissions? We do. Go to marvel.com. There's a submissions place there. Um, I will tell you, it's very difficult for a writer to break in. Um, 
But there are ways. Again, self-publishing, get published in another medium. I know people rail and scream about Hollywood writers. And I will tell you that no job has been denied a comic book writer because of a Hollywood writer. So it's not a matter of that. But, um, but they're writer. Writers are writers. Yeah. yeah. A writer is a writer. They're Hollywood writers, TV writers, novelists. We're getting all these guys. But that's because we know that they can deliver. We know they can tell a story. And they also have an audience. So we know we can sell a couple of books, too. Um, and yes, become a very successful novelist. Then call. <laughs> there you go, and then come back to comics. No, uh, but writing submissions. Take a look at Marvel.com, and then um, honestly, don't turn in your pitch of a completely all new, radically different Scorpion. Um, instead, show us why Scorpion is cool and why we may have, you know, wh- why we're not doing anything with him right now. And yet, here, this is or her actually right now. <laughs> Continuity. Uh, next question is from Esophagus. <laughs> We've got some great usernames. That's where it came from, generally. Oh. Uh, what kind of dialogue goes on between creators in the case of an event? For example, throughout Civil War, how much, in my book, Cap's getting shot, make sure he doesn't show up there, or Spider-Man's just unmasked here, masked here, you should probably address that, it goes on. Like, There's a lot of screaming. That's the dialogue. No. Um, there, there is actually a lot of talk, and uh, usually the editor of that event ends up being Tom Brevoort. And, uh, he's getting the reputation to hand to hand. Well, you know, that. he's yeah. doing Secret yeah. Invasion. And um, Tom actually keeps a master document, and um, we can take a look at it and say, all right, this falls there. But for things like as far as specific things that happen, we felt that it was very important for JMS to provide Peter Parker's motivation for unmasking, but Mark did the unmasking in his book. So you're going to see a little bit of an overlap there. Um, But then if you're also talking about continuity and when people have certain things happen, we have a weekly meeting um, that's where all the editors – we have a lot of meetings. Um, (laughs) I just realized. I'm like, we have a meeting about that too. Um, No, we we have – we have a meeting where all the editors come in and they go through what uh, each office presents um, – or I'm sorry, one office per week presents. And they present their lineup of books and they also say if anything major is changing, like uh, when Silver Samurai had his arm cut off. Um, we knew all – everybody knew when that was. There was reference put in a centralized location on one of our servers um, so that anybody who wanted to use Silver, Surfer, or Silver uh, Samurai after that – could use one-armed silver samurai and have the correct look. Does that answer? That? Yeah. So yeah. Th- there's a digital kind of there's a yeah. There's an exchange. It's yeah. it's called the exchange. And there are cool. continuity meetings, basically. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yep. Interesting. Fascinating. Yep. Um, and then we timeline out any any events. We timeline out like to a meticulous, ridiculous degree. To the minute. To the, yeah. Where Kitty Pride is at, at twelve thirty. Yes. Message board still finds a way to pick fun at it. <laughs> uh, you know. um, patio asked a similar question, so we're going to skip that one. Is this one. patio or patio? Patio, like your deck area. Wow, you have a lot of inanimate objects reading but your board. He, he doesn't like to use their own names. The continuity question, so we're going to skip that. You just answered it. Carl okay. wants to know, plain and simple, what's the deal with the delays in Ultimate Hulk versus Wolverine, and is it really going to be finished in 08? Plain and simple, we have addressed this quite a bit. <laughs> um, it's a little show called Lost. Damon Lindelof... <laughs> It's his story. We're not going to give it to somebody else to finish. Um, well, is it, it now? Does not affect, it not, doesn't affect the current continuity of it. So we're waiting until Damon turns in all the scripts. 
Linneal will then draw it when he has time, but Linneal has moved on to Secret in, uh, Invasion. He's doing New Avengers. I'm sorry that it happened. We did not foresee it happening that way. Damon didn't foresee it happening that way, but Damon wants to turn in the best product. He has a lot... People are probably going to go, oh, well, if he has that much respect, but he has a lot of respect for the comic fans and doesn't want to deliver subpar material. So when he can finish the scripts, we will get moving Is on Is it them. the kind of thing that, that will it always be an open invite for him to finish it or at some point will you guys shut the door and be like, okay, enough and put it He's to He's still rest? working on it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm just curious. <laughs> the... Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I gotta... Hey, anyway, I'm going to get back to this. Damn it, Matthew, Fo- Matthew Fox, <laughs> shut up. Ultimate Hulk punches. <laughs> ultimate. <laughs> Lock. What? No, <laughs> Maybe he says bub here. I've got to think about this. All right. Um... Dave Carr. I've but lost really, does, do people stay awake at night wondering when? I mean, it's a yes. good miniseries, <laughs> but I mean, it's a really good miniseries. And when it comes back, it's going to be awesome. But really? see, it almost it's almost like I almost forgot about it until that issue of Wolverine that where Loeb referenced it. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that. And then I was you know, so it's, it's I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. It's really yeah. cool. And I can't wait yeah. to see how it ends. I mean, I know some yeah. of the pitch, but but. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell us. And we'll that way he doesn't have to do it. There are people hungry yeah. in the world. Priorities. Yeah. Um, Six Gun writes and says, "How much of a writer artist's own desires go into book assignments? Is it a sort of a seniority thing where Bendis or Brubaker can pretty much write whatever titles they want, presuming they're available, or while an upper, uh, up and comer has to take the table scraps?" Uh, Bendis determines who goes on Brubaker's books. Uh-huh. <laughs> Brubaker determines who goes on Jeff Parker's books. No. Um, Fraction doesn't get anything. Fraction gets nothing. <laughs> we don't like you, Matt Fraction. I'm just kidding. I love you. A lot of times, a writer and artist team will pitch something, or it depends on where the artist's uh, where the artist schedule is. Um, so if we look and we see. Oh, well, this guy is a six-week book guy. This book needs to come out starting at this date. Our, our uh, vice president of operations runs the math and says, oh, he can do it. Um, and then the writer is made aware of it. And the editor, the editor, it's, it's a, a lot also up to the editor because the editor knows well enough if this person can do the, the storytelling that this writer is presenting now yes we do present guys with certain options and say here you go do you want this or this we have these guys available and sometimes people go oh i totally want that um and then sometimes an artist says hey i really want to work with writer x y or z and so we're like okay well you're could you do this one shot <laughs> while he goes and writes something? So, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of dialogue between everybody. Um, you know, people, we're not slave drivers here. Um, we, we really kind of let people have a, a, a creative reign to say, all right, you know, I have always wanted to work with X, Y, or Z. And so we say, all right, here you go. That story sounds perfect for them. So there's nobody that has like a green light on anything they want to do? No. No. Okay. No. Wow. Yes, we've said no to Bendis. <laughs> wow. That's it's it. true, Brian. You know it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Dave... a dirty book. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Carr writes in. He says, cheers on participating in the best podcast out there. So, cheers. Well, thank you, Dave. 
Anyway, anyway um, for those who aren't a big fan of company crossovers like him, are there steps being taken for keep some to keep some books self-contained? He's currently enjoying Daredevil Cap, and he's enjoying the hell out of Modox 11 and Omega the Unknown. Any suggestions for more self-contained titles to buy? Well, Omega the Unknown and Modox 11 are tying into the Skrull event. No, no I'm just kidding. Ron's jaw dropped. I literally just thought that. How? I can understand Modox, but the Omega, really? No. Runaways has not participated in any crossover throughout its run. Uh, they, uh, it did have the Runaways Young Avengers Civil crossover War, yeah. in Civil War, but, but that, that was, was in its own book. Wasn't in the book. Yep, yep, yep. So I would highly suggest Runaways. Um, I love that book. It's the Marvel Knights line. The Marvel Knights is totally um, there. I can't tell you what books are not ever going to participate because, again, like the Skrull event – People know what's coming up, and almost every writer is like, oh, my God, I want to do that, because they've been playing in the – it's such a big thing, and we we exist in a shared universe, so you you, you can't ignore that. Um, the ultimate books. You can do the ultimate books, but we have but Ultimatum coming up, oh. which is going to cross over. But there's only four oh, wow. books there. It took seven years to get to that. I know. <laughs> that seemed kind of obvious. Ultimatum. 100, 110 <laughs> issues. <laughs> but, right. so, um, so but no, I mean, Runaways, Marvel Knights. Runaways yeah. is it. Yeah. No, uh, Runaways, Marvel Knights. Um, I know that. Uh, Iron Fist is a really good book, and it's yeah. not really. Um, it hasn't crossed over in anything. It's a relatively new one. But if you look at it, a lot of those books came out of crossovers. The reason Iron Fist had momentum behind it is because Danny was posing as Daredevil in Civil War and that was how he platformed that launch. So people may bemoan and bitch the crossover out, but it is what gives you some of these better books. The Order. Read The Order. That's an awesome book. It sounds like I'm Matt Fraction's bitch right now. <laughs> but well, so she could sing earlier. He said he gets nothing. So. Well, you know, oh, and um, I can tell you that I believe for the first year of Brand New Day, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man is not going to be crossing over. Oh. Spider-Man will appear in crossovers, but Amazing Spider-Man is going to be its own book, and it's Amazing. Yeah. It really is awesome. Literally amazing. It is otherwise literally amazing. It would be a lie. <laughs> well, yeah, otherwise. False advertising. All right. Uh, next question comes from a comic book girl who wants to know when yes. Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane coming is coming. Uh, Umberto Ramos is busy work, uh, finishing up his Messiah Complex pencils, and then he'll be moving over into Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Again, like we mentioned earlier, that's a book that isn't uh, contingent on continuity. So Self-contained. It is self-contained. Yeah. It's another good book to pick up. Um <laughs> And also, Terry is hammering out some stuff right now. He's getting scripts done. Um, look for that in 2008, but it'll probably be uh, spring of 2008 um, when it comes back. Uh, the, Ted Dave um, wants, wants to follow up on the omnibus. He wants to know what you decide to essentialize. Uh, anything that looks good in black and white. Okay. And no. When, <laughs> um, no, I'm just totally joking. Um, if we actually take a look at uh, what characters are going to have some cool moments coming up or will be in series. And, and similar to the trades, uh, we put it out around that. And when is he going to get his essential warlock? Well, not <laughs> next month. <laughs> <laughs> but you can keep your fingers crossed for January. Anyway, Steve M. says... Um, with a plethora of good artists hungry to break into the biz, why do you continually use guys, Hitch, Cho, or Quesada, who, though popular <laughs> fans, aren't constantly late on books? Because they sell, and we are a business. <laughs> Our listeners have balls. They want to yeah. know why you're using Quesada. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do this book. Okay. Hitch and Cho, Hitch, Cho, Joe Q, 
Yeah. They're all great artists. They get work. But you guys have a. I, I I know that people have a really big thing with um with with lateness, and I can understand that. Uh, Hitch is done with his first five issues of Fantastic Four, so um and he that doesn't start until February, so he's gonna have a number of issues in the can. So we'll have half of the next one done. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, he um. I'm throwing them out there. I know. No, these guys. It's going to reach um, across a punch shot. There's a security guard actually standing behind me right now. Frank um, Frank actually went on the Bendis board and explained uh, what his deal was with um, with his Mighty Avengers book and why he's not going to be on it after that. And as a matter of fact, we're following it up with Mr. On Time multiple times. Bennett said, ben said he's like done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to get back on track. Um, yeah, there are good artists hungry to break into the biz, but uh, in all honesty, two things open a book high and keep a book selling well. Well, three things: story, writer, and artist. Um, you put an unknown artist, even paired with a really good writer, it's only going to reach a certain number of people. People are buying these guys' books because they're good and they deserve to be bought and read. And then we put out books from new, hungry guys wanting to break into the business and people don't buy them because they don't know their name. It's a catch-22. So, so yeah. is, that, is that kind of why Marvel Comics Presents is coming back? Kind of giving an opportunity yeah. for kind of young There's talent a, there, to launch That's it? a platform, yeah. uh, definitely. Because it worked so well in the 90s. I mean, that was, I mean, oh, yeah. it was great. It, yeah. it's, that, that is good. Also, you'll see some eight-page backups in a number of other books cool. that, are, uh, that are pretty cool with that. Just Marvel not 20-part Long drawn out beast <laughs> meanderings, please. <laughs> We're in the building. Oh, sorry. Uh, we have to keep up our cred with our listeners. I know. Otherwise, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, I just I read um, what came out yesterday. Or what, right. X Factor. X Factor, and I and I was like, I'm lost now. I, I give up on it. Yeah. But whatever, it's been good. It's been good. <laughs> Love X Factor. Love X Factor. All right, next question. I've lost my Did you know his face turns red when he lies? (laughs) It does. Uh, Steve M. Also, it has been suggested that you guys hire a guy like Ron Richards, for example, to be continuity editor. Why don't you? Wow, I never knew that was there. Wow, that wasn't a plant. They would, so can Ron have a job being your continuity editor? I don't want that job. I have a good job. But no, we've discussed we've discussed that that there should be because I've been paired as a bit of a continuity. We have continuity. We have continuity meetings. there, there were continuity glitches when Stan had four books that he was writing. There are always going to be continuity glitches. There's always going to be moments where, when does that happen? Johnny drew that page in World War Hulk um, number one with Spider-Woman still at the mansion long before she had defected over there. Uh, I believe before Bendis had even written that in the book. But it hadn't come out, so Bendis had no way of knowing that. And it's such a minor thing. We can't go over every single panel. We go over the major story beats and the major character things, and that's that's what stays pretty consistent. So there's a percentage deviation of known continuity errors that you guys are acceptable that are acceptable. <laughs> now. Well, no, I'm just saying. I mean, like, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, because otherwise we wouldn't put any books out. Right. If you we can were, get so caught, yeah. yeah, you can get totally caught it up. It gets in too it. paralyzing at a certain point. And you just Completely, and then it's, you're sitting there going, "Well, no, that's you what can't my therapist says." <laughs> <laughs> and, and then that actually goes back to an earlier question of story versus continuity. Well, what's really more important at that point? It's the story, right. I think. To tell you know, you go like, well, you're going to tell Bendis he can't do that thing with Spider Woman because of a panel that, yeah, you know, John Romita drew. No, it doesn't make any sense. But 
it, Thank it, you, it, Steve, for getting us you know in what? trouble. <laughs> no, it does make sense. Yeah. We're all human beings putting these products out. Right. There are 80 books a month, and people are working on about four months' worth of books. Yes. So that's, what, 240? No, or 320. It's yeah. 320 possible titles being worked on at one point. There's all, You guys buy five, seven books a week, so you one person can pour over every detail on that f- one book, and of course you're going to find something. We and can't have three. Yeah. Yeah. No prize. <laughs> now, we now do we have suck. the no. Yeah. I know. Well, no. Yeah. And we have the no prize. Oh, you Tom Brevoort. Tom Brevoort oh. emails out no prizes. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, you so guys should publicize, publicize that. He more. does. Yeah. It's on his blog. So I should read his blog. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll link to it. Here's a much simpler question. All right. Fantastic. And I feel like I'm sounding so defensive and well, so no, much but, the but, ass right now. But the thing is, is that the thing is that people don't want to hear the truth sometimes. And and I mean, and I'm a continuity nerd. And you don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it either. I want I want every panel poured over, and I want to like. I long for the days when you open an issue of Nova and you see Thor fly by. It's like, where's Thor going? See Thor n- issue number 392. You, you know, know, we like, do you know. do part of that, but yeah. then you turn into people going, well, wait, what is that? Right. Uh, I, I don't read Thor. Yeah. See, thing, I don't yeah. care. And you the can't thing please is, in a, in a perfect world, you could do that, but that would you would need to take away lateness and, and illness and all the things that happen, and that's realities of the world. So, yeah. So. And then the other thing is, actually, like, it's kind of the stuff that makes it fun. Yeah. Because if it wasn't that stuff to talk about, we don't have a website. We don't have a show. I mean, what do you? We're what out of business. Doing? So Katie wants to know now that yes, Cable and Deadpool is finishing, and Cable is apparently getting his own book. What will happen to Deadpool? I hope you guys don't bench him because he was the character that got me to read Marvel comics in the first place. He's coming to your house, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> and he won't shut up. <laughs> no, uh, it's far too soon to announce what it is. But just because Cable Deadpool's ending does not mean it's the end for Deadpool. So don't worry, Katie. You will get Deadpool in two thousand and eight. Excellent. Uh, Dave Carr, he says, what are your thoughts on comic book podcasting? I hate it. I'm um, out of here. Yeah, to offer some of my own thoughts, I do enjoy listening to podcasts, and I could certainly see a publisher wanting to utilize this form, essentially. Wow, this is a long publicity question. to market new books, promote new creative teams, et cetera. The danger here is that, uh, I think he's asking about, this is a long, he wrote a lot of paragraphs. Yeah, like what answer, is he asking People like here? to answer their questions. Um, <laughs> Does Marvel keep an ear turn, tuned to Airwave to see which Marvel zombies might be good to have so, on the so I guess, payroll? Can so I, I guess what the, I guess yeah, paraphrase. Yeah. Please uh, paraphrase. I think he wants to know how you and your marketing position view this podcasting thing. Is it something that that, that you're both now, in using I mean, it as a, you, you notice it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both in using it as a marketing thing, but also you know, like, are you are you guys listening to all the podcasts that are out there? You know, it's and, a, it's a relatively new thing. I would say yeah. relatively new, and that it's really coming to its own in about the past year. Um, for comics, at least. For yeah. comics, yeah. yes. Yeah. For yeah. comics. And, espe- um, and honestly, I just got a new laptop and <laughs> iTunes I got a computer. and all that. Awesome. Yay! And I actually went and did a search for all of the comic book podcasts, and yeah. I've started to download them all. There's a lot. There really is. There are a lot. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, there are – I try – as Ron can attest, I try and help out yep. – uh, help out. That sounds so patronizing. I'm sorry. Well, no. Well, I mean, no, I, 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 well I, the thing is coming, coming as us. I mean, we're not <laughs> – yeah, no, I mean, we're not MTV. We're not mainstream media. We're not Wizard. We're not Newsarama. So, like, it's but kind you know of – you, you guys know. are still getting word out in a different yeah. way. I mean, um, there, are, there are podcasts out there that are really starting to get attention. And I think right now we're kind of in, like, the Wild West era of it. Um, like – 
in far and away when they all start going <laughs> riding on their horses to try and claim land. You know what I'm I talking know, about, though. Nicole Kidman's on the coast. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, hurry, go get land, and you can build a house here. Yep. Or like that sale of Friday after Thanksgiving <laughs> yes. when they open the doors <laughs> to the department store. Yeah. So, so we're kind of in that phase. So it's um, – I, I actually love a lot all the podcasting guys that yeah. have really come uh, forward and said, hey, we want to do this. And um, and so I try and get as many of our guys onto the shows as possible yeah. because it is a whole other way of getting news out there. Um, and the guys don't have to type so they can just <laughs> talk. Yeah. And so it doesn't keep them from writing as much right. <laughs> or drawing. Um, Chris from Chicago says, are you a comic fan yourself? And if so, for how long and which books, Marvel or DC, are you really enjoying right now? Uh, I am a comic fan. I have been since 1983. Nice. Uh, I... My first comics were G.I. Joe number one. G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you see our show? <laughs> we, we did the whole thing about G.I. Joe. Oh, did you? Yeah. Excellent. What it's episode a, was it's an, it's, um, I don't know the number, but it's, it's so underrated as an important comic book for getting people into comic books. You know, was it I, the whole episode was about G.I. Joe? Yeah, the whole episode was about G.I. Joe. Yeah. You know what? We, we in here, <laughs> internally, we completely credit G.I. Joe yeah. to a whole generation of people. Yep. That's why we have. That's why we started going after licenses again, like yeah. Halo. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it is a gateway drug. Yeah. Uh, G.I. Joe brought people into comics, brought me in, and at the same time I had gotten an, ex, an issue of X-Men. And my run of X-Men, I then went backwards as well as forwards. Uh, and so I have from 141 until today. Nice. Uh, and then I have the occasional, uh, a number of occasional back issues. Um, but uh, I'm working on 100 to 200. I got back to 200, and now I've been nice. filling in the hundreds. I so, yeah. love from about 189 through the outs- through the Australian outback. Through like I, 250 or so. Yeah, yeah. I could yeah. just sit did, there did, and did, through read the, it. until the siege all, perilous. Until the yes, siege yes. Perilous. Any yeah, of yeah, the yeah. listeners yeah. here <laughs> saw the uh, show <laughs> we did at Heroes Con <laughs> when Ron talked to Rick Remender about the Smiths. Uh, <laughs> go to that. It's the same look on his face right now. I get very excited when you this. connect with people. Yeah, it's, it's, they went on for a half. An you hour. know what? That is one of the things. I know the person asked which comics I like right now. Yeah. I would have to say it doesn't really matter which ones I like. Runaways. Um, <laughs> when it comes no, out. Yeah, no, but uh, no, uh, what I, God, <laughs> all of these questions are from Ron. <laughs> Ron as Chris from Chicago. Why is this late and, and out of continuity? Ron. <laughs> Did you know Ron is a comic book girl? Ron is Dave Carr. No, um, my apologies to all of the yes, people. They're not making all of those posters that I may have. The insulted irony is that they all, all the people who put them into questions post on our site way more than I do. So, oh, it's, right. yeah, so it's yeah. That's because it's you under yeah. different names. But no, that's the thing about comics, though. You got all excited. Comics, I think, the reason why they're so awesome and they've stayed around for so long is because it's a shared experience and you can you got excited about G.I. Joe you got excited about X-Men you can always remember what your first comic book was again. Uh, he's a grump <laughs> Hawkeye boom uh, <laughs> I love Hawkeye he's my favorite character my first oh, week there you go. my first week at Marvel my two favorite characters were Hawkeye and Colossus and I got across my desk came a printout of Astonishing X-Men number four and I was all excited and then the script to Avengers 502, wow. I think it was, and I wanted to cry. <laughs> For one week, I had Hawkeye and Colossus alive. <laughs> At the same time, on your desk. And then he wasn't. He was but, too good to be. But now he's alive, so yeah. it's all right. 
Uh, I, Dave, he writes and says, are there currently more series like Omega the Unknown planned? I really dug the first issue, and it'd be cool to see Marvel put up more books that take place in the Marvel U that are, have more of an indie feel to them. How could you see? Uh, also, could you see a Wildstorm like imprint for superhero books like Omega? I'd say that our, um, I'd say that our, uh, what's my call? Uh, the Marvel Knights line is similar to that. Uh, the first one was Spider-Man Reign from Kari Andrews, which had a totally different feel from the rest of the Marvel U. Right now, Mitch is. Working, Mitch Brettweister uh, and David Morell are putting out Cap the Chosen, and that has a little. It does not have a traditional superhero feel. The art is gorgeous um, and very reminiscent of like a Cassidy. Um, and but uh, I would also look towards Howard the Duck, another Steve Gerber uh, one that is coming out right now, which is really cool. We also have a Marvel indie project coming up where guys like Paul Pope and a lot of, and so others isn't that, isn't that a contradiction or no a uh, oxymoron Mar- <laughs> Marvel indie <laughs> well no it was, <laughs> it was cool to see Paul Pope do stuff and, and Farrell Dalrymple was awesome you know so yeah so, so see yeah. we we do try but then Ron calls us oxymoron <laughs> So, blame Ron. No, you know what? That was exactly the right word. I'm backing <laughs> my boy Thank up. Thank <laughs> um, Next question comes from Ian. Um, yes, yeah, Squadron Supreme is returning soon. Wow, I didn't even ask the question. All right, good. Moving on. <laughs> no, um, we get that question. There yeah. are a few questions. That, uh, Ultimates 3 is coming out in December. Squadron Supreme, is, uh, Squadron Supreme news will be coming up very soon. We're working the pitch out right now. Uh, is JMS going to write it? That's no. The- okay. uh, JMS is only working on the 12 okay. um, and, the, and Thor. Uh, he has a movie coming up. He's got a lot of other projects, and rather than t- overtax himself and run the risk of late books, Ooh. he is doing a miniseries. Well, it's Maxi and uh, Thor ongoing. So, um, however, it will still stay true to his. And uh, Ultimate Iron Man 2 starts in December. And what's another question that everybody asks? Uh, Orson Scott Card oh, and really? Pascal Ferry. Come cool. back for more. Yeah. Wow. So, um, and no, I don't hate all DC titles. <laughs> That's the only other question I can think of. All right. Um, next question comes from Leland. Uh, been a huge fan of her for years, and she wasn't depowered during M-Day, but she made a small cameo during Civil War with the new new, new Warriors coming out, Firesar. Where is she? I hope to see Angel- Angelica Jones soon. She retired in the pages of Frontline. Yes. Uh, however, if you have picked up the latest issue of Avengers The Initiative, you'll see that Vance has uh, moved on. Uh, I'm not happy about it all. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were supposed to be together. They were in The Avengers. It was great. I Sorry. do I know that uh, Dan Slott likes her oh, as a character. Right. I'm right. not saying anything, but uh, <laughs> there you go. This is an interesting tidbit he's yeah. got in his head. Um, so paper's back once again. Uh, given all the rumblings about Peter Parker and MJ lately, how do you feel about superhero marriages? Are they a creative dead end? He asked someone who isn't Joe Quesada. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I think this is a great question. Um, and I don't think it's just superhero marriages. I think it's all... Um, They're all dead ends. I think it's all marriage. No, no, I think, it's, I, think it is, I think it is a quandary that you run into when you get into open-ended serialized storytelling. Um, yep. I, I about that last night with the, with the, the distinguished competition book that came out yesterday. Um, well, the, yeah, the, the black canary, green arrow. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. black arrow, green canary for a second. <laughs> and I actually words, like those characters too. Yeah. It's just <laughs> mental dyslexia. Um, that's from CD, right? No. Uh, um, <laughs> no uh, 
my background is not just comics, but I also worked uh, in the soap world. And so uh, it's a problem that they run into as well. It's very open-ended. They've been around for 60 years. Um, I would say that the second you marry off two people, if you intend to have those two characters be a part of your tapestry forever, it's a problem. If you know one of them's on the way out in about a year or two, you can get some good storylines. And then eh. with the exception of Reed and Sue, I think Reed and Sue were created to be married. But I think um, Peter Parker was created to be single. Yeah, uh, I think he I was agree. created to, to date. He was created uh, to have romantic tension. To, in yeah. Life. And there is none. The second they marry. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's because writers are too lazy to be able to write a good marriage. Honestly, it boils down to. Mary Jane's going to stay at home worrying if he's going to come home, or Mary Jane's a target. Um, it limits what you can do. Yeah. Completely. I mean, think back. I, I, a lot of people have had her as the main, as married, blah, blah, blah. But think about how awesome was it when the black cat showed up. And there was this romantic tension. There was sexual tension. And you can't have that. Um, I that think makes your, your big character an adulterer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think the same is true um, over in the pages of X-Men. I think it's one reason why Scott and Emma aren't married. I was going to ask what you thought of Scott and Jean. Because... Scott and Jean got boring oh, the was... second they got married. I remember I was so excited when that issue came out, and, yeah. then, and then I've lamented it ever since. It is. Uh, that was 94, maybe? You imagine 90, going into high school and be like, I'm so excited it's gotten Was it 94? Married, it was Kubert drew, <laughs> drew it, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Oh, that was great. But yeah, I, I, think, it, I think it sucks a lot. Well, it was later 90s because Wolverine was in was Feral and in the Woods, and that was after um, Onslaught. So it must have been 97. And there was a hologram. Yeah. There, was there a hologram? No, there wasn't a hologram on the cover, was there? No. It was a very was hard fatal. cover. Yeah. So, Connor, yeah. what did you have for lunch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but Ron said last night that the chase is always more exciting than the Oh, total. Yeah. Uh, on 100%. a related note, paper would like to know, will Matt Murdock ever be happy? What is the ending for Matt Murdock? Which sounds like a setup for a book that's coming out. So. <laughs> well, there is... Uh, Daredevil the, the End. Yes, yeah. it's oh, wow. uh, End of Days. <laughs> and you will find table? out if... Uh, paper is really Brian Michael Bendis. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's asking about the Spider-Man marriage. Um, no. Uh, there's Daredevil, End of Days. And will Matt Murdock ever be happy? Um, define happy? Does that mean like not always crying? Yeah, not, not always up against the wall. <laughs> oh, the love of my life has been killed or is killing. <laughs> he, you know what? He makes bad choices. He does in his in his in his personal life. It can all be put down to that, and that's why you can keep writing the characters. He's yeah. just done it over. You'll time. have to ask Ed Brubaker. Yeah, <clears throat> we will. Uh, and Graham, blame Ed when he's yeah. not happy. Mike Graham Six uh, asks: With the growing popularity of the internet, video games, and movies. What does Marvel do to attract a new and younger audience in the ever-increasing media-saturated environment? How can comics set themselves apart from these mediums throughout the long haul and the primary eyes is getting older and older? How can you compete with video games? the classic question. Uh, well, we have comic book video games. <laughs> like uh, the Spider-Man Friend or Foe is about to come out, which is really freaking cool. And I have nothing to do with video games. Let me just say that up front so I'm not shilling for those. <laughs> uh, but like Ultimate Alliance, uh, we have tie-ins. We have the Halo license. Uh, so we put out Halo comics in attempt to get the Halo fans. Like are, we did the G.I. Joe fans. Are you guys as worried about that? these Because I remember a few years ago no. it was that we can't compete with the internet. We can't compete with video games. So we're just going to do what we can. Yeah, no. I haven't heard that much from you Because know. we're doing a really freaking good job of doing what we do best, yeah. which is put out good comics and the industry's growing. So there's not this worry of how do we compete? Because numbers are up year over year. 
so we're not having to compete with those. There is a crossover audience. Um, also, we have the Marvel Adventures line for the younger readers. We have an all-ages line. Um, and schools, libraries, subscriptions, you don't see those numbers in the diamond numbers. And everybody puts so much importance on these monthly diamond numbers, and they freak out when and think, oh my God, the audience is just getting older. Marvel Adventures Spider-Man is the number one subscription title for us. It's huge numbers. And what kind of numbers is it that? Get, I can't. Can <laughs> Sorry, but curious. also we yeah. have. I mean, it's part of the scholastic. Uh, yeah. A lot of our all ages line are part of the scholastic thing. Remember when you'd go to school yeah, and you have book day? Yes. Yes. Yep. Now, those now those our oh, comics are part set. of that. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. Cool. So those are the books I always bought. Yeah. 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 A little chick. Uh, one yep. of those and one yeah. of those. So yeah. now they can get the Power Pack Digest or you know things like that. So that's getting them in there. And we actually get questions like this from parents saying, "Okay, my kid is getting older. It's time for me to renew." my subscription, but should I renew or transfer over and which book would you suggest? So that's why we have our rating system for the all ages, the rated T plus. And so we're, we're trying to cultivate a new audience. It takes a little bit of time. So your subscription so, yeah. service is alive and thriving. Versus, subscription yeah. is live. Uh, the, the, the trades and digests yeah. are doing phenomenal. And in, in the bookstore and in the library area, uh, again, with the runaways, it sounds like I get paid for that, but Two years ago, Runaways was the only book, uh, the only graphic novel awarded on the top ten books for young adults on the uh, YALSA, which is part of the um, American Library Association. So it was the only graphic novel put on that list. So, and that means pretty much all of the major libraries bought a copy of Runaways and kept it on their bookshelves. So, and so suggested it. it gets called out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can smile. I, it, that's one of the things that kills me: are all these people running around going, "Oh my God, there's crossovers! It's the '90s all over again." That's well, not what survivors down the nineties. Like yeah. What brought down the nineties was a dearth of product. We put out two hundred books a month mm-hmm. in the nineties. I bought four copies of all of them. There were <laughs> there were craptacular yeah. books, incredibly forgettable books that didn't have a reason, that didn't have any ramifications. Right. Now we're far more careful with what we're putting out there. Uh, and how limited we are with the universe and how many books we put out. We get tons of pitches. We could turn around and put out 200 books. It would kill the market again, but we're not going to do that. So, JGG writes, uh, what would be your advice for a career path for someone who's getting into comics, editing, doesn't have any uh, creative aspirations? They want to be comic, they want to be an editor, they want to be, how do you get into editing? Okay, Um, I would finish college. First and foremost, stay in school. If you're not in there, stay in school, kids. Uh, no, um, get a degree uh, somewhat related to English, um, marketing, communications, uh, journalism, something that has to do with comics. I don't know how much pre med is going to do you very good here, except if we had a night nurse mini. Um, and you could edit <laughs> it's that. It's really accurate. You know? It's yes. really realistic. And Ron would be happy. <laughs> so. She's we hot. brought in a specialist editor for this night nurse <laughs> mini. You gotta start making the editors the celebrities. Screw the writers. And that editor. kid's parents kill us for them going pre-med and editing comic books. <laughs> well, no. look what happened. Wasn't Jim Lee pre-med? How much? Jim, Jim, Jim Lee was pre-med in the, at Princeton, wasn't he? And then he became an artist. I think I, I read that in the image book. I love you. No, I believe you're correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I'd edit that out if I was wrong. Um, you're fabulous, Jim. I'm sorry I don't know your major. <laughs> no, I would say, honestly, stay in school. Get some get some experience within the publishing industry. Um, also, internships. We have a lot. Uh, if, if you can afford to come and spend a summer in New York, apply for an internship. It'll give you a really good view of what goes on here. So it's just for rich people? Um, yes. 
Uh, no. Um, or, uh, you know, getting, getting experience through publishing, through journalism, within a related field. Uh, keep your eye, honestly, monster.com. That's how I found out about my job. That's how almost every job, every job that I know of that has been filled since I've been here has been posted on monster.com. Um, but get experience and stay patient yet persistent and professional. Um, CB Sabalski has, uh, uh, he says, uh, know your place <laughs> and he doesn't say it in a mean way, but it's true. Um, a lot of people, because you spend $3 an issue, I don't even know how many issues a month you buy. A lot of people feel a sense of entitlement and yes, we love you buying the books, but that doesn't mean you can come up and slap somebody with your resume and say, hire me right now. Um, I have no experience and I want to be put in charge of Spider-Man. Um, uh, we told you not to do that, Ron. I'm you know, sorry. <laughs> and I was like, we, we set up our equipment and then he goes, I have this pitch. And I was like, not now. <laughs> no, but yeah, get, uh, get experience. The, I was told, I met uh, the then president of Marvel t- about 12 years ago when I was a host at the Hard Rock Cafe. He had a little pin that, uh, he was dressed in a suit and he had a pin on his lapel that was the X-Men logo. And I was like, Whoa, an adult with an X-Men logo on in a suit. That's cool. Because he was a surfer back then who talked like, like you know? Seth. What's his name? Well, you know, yeah, it's true. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, I was. I was freaking out. And the girl that was on his arm was like, tell him what you do, honey. And he said, oh, I'm the president of Marvel. I was like, oh, my God, how do I get a job there? And he said, stay in school, get some experience, and come up and knock on editorial's door. Um, it took me about 10 years, but I worked in publishing distribution. Um and I did that for about five years or so. I made the leap to New York, applied for a job, and got hired here. So, you know, it, it will take time, but you'll get it. How important is networking? It is, all, it is very important. It's very, very important. Uh, and this is a small community, honestly. Mm-hmm. So don't be a dick. Because word travels. So. Yeah, word yeah. travels so fast. Yeah. Um, it is... It is all about knowing people and who you know and you know we see repeated people and and we cheer on we're there are a couple people that are in college i'm like oh my god i can't wait until they graduate because they're gonna rock they're gonna do great and then there are people that graduated and i'm like oh god please don't like comics anymore god can't you like I don't know, Britney Spears or something and go work in the music industry. She's hiring. She is hiring. She is. Not babysitters. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Uh, two, two fun ones in, the, in a row. Yay. Uh, I was talking to Steve Niles in Dublin, Ireland last week and asked him if he would ever work at Marvel. He said it wasn't for lack of ideas from him. He actually would love to do Hulk at Marvel, but Marvel's never come asking why. As he sent his ideas to us. <laughs> it does not say here. Okay. Well, Steve, send your ideas to an editor here. Um, so, yeah. It would be weird if that was Steve Niles posting on Netflix. I know. I know. <laughs> He's like, I really I want to do Hulk. You know, I, I am not in charge of approving stories, so I can't speak to that. I'm yeah. sorry. That's okay. You've got a movie coming out. Be happy with yeah. it, Steve. Um, <laughs> Hank writes, are there any... That was not a Marvel representative <laughs> saying <laughs> that. I've been waiting for someone to say that. <laughs> the comments made by iFanboy represent iFanboy, not Marvel. Are there any creators you find especially difficult to work with or easy? Well, he's not going to say that. <laughs> I love the muckraking questions. Like, a who's jerk. a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> Who can't you stand? No, it's, it is always dangerous to meet the, your idols. 
I think in any industry, Absolutely. I'm a big fan of not now. That's like yep. I'm uh, not in comics, but music. I'm a big Morrissey fan. I never want to meet the man. Just yep. he's, he can stay there. I'm gonna stay here. Yeah, there's you want to keep that illusion sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, and there are people out there that are different than my perception was when I was on the other side of the counter, as it were. Um, but there are also people that are amazing surprises. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, Ed Brubaker, Mark Millar, J. Michael Straczynski, Greg Pak, Dan Slott. I, I mean, I could name our entire roster, pretty much. And you just did. I just, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> now, uh, all those guys. And down to, like, Christina Strain is hysterical. She's so nice. She was I awesome, yeah. love Christina. I mean, you know, people talk a lot about the writers and the pencilers, but... Like Danny Mickey, inker, fantastic guy, deserves way more attention than he gets. Uh, Christina Strain, fantastic colorist, deserves a lot of attention. Chris Iliopoulos, letterer and artist on Franklin. He won't stop calling. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there are a lot, there are, the list is infinite of the people that I like and the list of people that I don't, I can't really say that I don't like them. They're just different than what my expectations were. He also has a, he says he loves Omnibuy. Uh, and uh, do you know about how Those many are heavy and a lot of people like them? Oh, I well, love we them. Love, we're addicted. I mean, we love them. I mean, I've I've got four, I think three or four. Yeah. How yeah. many are in the works? How many? About how many are in the works? Would you I say? Think, I think there's going to be about one every other month next year. Wow. So I think we have about six, yeah. including one that I can't stop thinking about. <laughs> as Ron exciting. knows, <laughs> uh, I mean, my eyes are huge right now just thinking about it, and I cannot wait. And when you see it. You'll know because it's the dorkiest one of all. Is there a time frame for that release? Not soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> Not yesterday. <laughs> all right. Um, esophagus is back, and he wants to. Um, he's talking Where's about pancreas. <laughs> um, this is kind of a long question. I'll kind of summarize. Omega okay. the Unknown was recently released, and he loved it. Had a really good feel. Blah blah. How did it come about? Did was Letham offered the title, and he chose to do that? No, Letham came to us. He's been a huge fan. And you guys said do Omega. Uh, he, oh. Lethem's been a huge fan of Omega. Oh, Omega. Oh, and his okay. pitch came in, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Okay. Um, we're going to skip his other one because it's a big one. Okay. Um, Luke Hopkins uh, writes in, uh, wants to know, what's the most important thing about Marvel Comics as a business and as a storytelling entity? That's kind of a big open-ended question. <laughs> yeah. What do you like? <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing about Marvel Comics, I would say, um, is character first. Uh, we've always been about the human side. Of the character. Um, so motivation and character are really important to us from a storytelling perspective. Um, from a business side, putting out comics that are of the highest quality possible. Um, so Seems kind of a no-brainer. Just yeah. Like good business. I mean, but, I mean yeah. yeah. It, it, maintaining. I would say maintaining the, the, the level that we're at right now and upping it. Uh, always trying to better ourselves. We really are. I mean, I, and the slate of stuff that we have coming up. Every year I think, oh, my God, I can't wait. Like when we were doing House of M and we knew Civil War was coming, I was like, oh, I can't wait for Civil War. Sorry. And then I couldn't wait for the initiative when Civil War was going on. And then I couldn't wait for World War Hulk. And I – And you get it earlier than we do. My, Say what? And you get it earlier than we I know. Do. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I, I – that's the hard thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait for Skrull. It's fantastic. And then in December, we're going to be mapping out everything that happens post-scroll. And it's just like, I, I can't wait to hear what we're doing then. <laughs> so we just, we, we keep 
turning the notch up. Well, then Luke has a follow-up question, which yes. is like he f- he read the future. Um, he says, quote, there are no bad characters, only those who haven't been written right yet. Mm-hmm. So he says, so let's say you had a writer who, uh, who you knew was not doing the best work, um, a Mary Sue character there, just for, you know randomness but the book still sold, sold well for some odd reason the mary sue character has huge boobs or something uh what would you do would you can the writer and get someone who wouldn't make those mistakes or would you keep them on so i guess it's kind of saying is that the town ta- i guess what he seems like saying is that the characters are important but so does the quality of work and so you know somebody a writer might not always hit a home run and and i would say that um that's a really objective question too yeah. because just because you may not think the character is working right that doesn't mean the writer's interpretation is wrong. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, that's a, interesting. So yeah. it, it, it's um, Doctor Strange. Um, I would say, like uh, Brian K. Vaughn's Doctor Strange was completely different than what anybody had written him it as. It was fantastic. It was great. And it knocked it out of the park. But yeah. I guarantee you there was probably somebody who hated it and yep. thought that was completely wrong. Yeah. The old, so, old school seventies Doctor Strange fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so so uh, that's that's what I would say to that. Does that answer that? Sure. Okay. <laughs> We're not really um, sure what he asks. So he did a great job. And so then Luke f- finishes up by saying, "You do PR for Marvel, yes. and recently Marvel's done some pretty high profile things with lead characters. Yes. So what do you try to do to get Marvel into the hands of my parents, my coworkers, my girlfriend? Does Marvel try and hit markets outside the typical superhero demo? And uh, we and do. How? Um, Dark Tower, I would say, uh, for. Your girlfriend, um, I'm not going to be sexist and say Spider-Man loves Mary Jane and or Ms. Marvel, um, although those are female-centric books and strong female leads. Um, there are uh, – this is a Runaways podcast, but <laughs> Runaways is huge among women yeah. and girls, um, and I, I – feel like I should have our entire roster in front of me because I feel like I'm spacing out and I apologize if I'm leaving out any books right there. Your parents, um, my dad read Civil War because it got so much mainstream press and it got a lot of political um, talk behind it. So he wanted to know what it was about. Um, so I, I, we're, we're not – I think that's also one of the problems that um, – that happened in the 90s is that editorial stopped driving stories and sales and marketing did. And the second I come in and say, I need a book X, Y, or Z because I need a woman to read this book, it's going to be a shitty book. You start creating for the demo as opposed yeah. to letting the demo come to the book. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jimsky says, <clears throat> comic sales numbers seem inscrutable to us civilians. And one frequently hears that the opinions expressed in the blogosphere are nowhere near the accurate reflection of the marketplace. He's smart. With that in mind, how detailed are Marvel's market research internal sales figures? Does Marvel do extensive market research at all before, say, publishing the Runaways zombie cover variant? It's a Runaways podcast. <laughs> it is a Runaways <laughs> podcast. Uh, I have no idea what, what the Runaways zombie cover variant has to do with anything I, except I for is, is, the zombie cover variants. We said it's October. It's horror month, so we thought we'd have fun. I'm sorry if that has upset people, but they're fun. <laughs> um, also, Look at him and say I that. Know, also, know, I've I seen know. the numbers for Marvel Zombies 2, number one. You see, that that's fine. Though. Okay, and, there's a lot of Marvel Zombies questions that are going to come up. Yeah. Marvel Zombies just, 2, number one, is bigger than Marvel Zombies number one. Actually, because that those numbers kept going up, it's bigger than Marvel Zombies, the first series, last issue. Right. It's huge. It's not on the decline. Plus... 
a lot of people want to just have fun with it, and I don't think there's anything wrong with sometimes having fun with a comic. Yeah. Now, asking about how detailed are our market research, we have um, an entire we have a sales and marketing department, and we have guys who keep constant track on our budget, on our projection, on the numbers. We have three people who do sales an- uh, analysis. Um, but you don't you don't do you, t- you don't test market a book before it goes out. I mean, like you like you like deciding to do Ms. Marvel. You don't get a focus group of no twenty something girls. No, like we you, we you know. take a look and see. Like there are, there was a book brought up in a meeting today. Um, the pitch came in. It's a good pitch. It's a solid pitch. Creative team, pretty good. We looked at it and knowing the creative team, the characters involved around the time that it would be launching and what platform it has. Is it coming out of an event? Is it standing in a vacuum? Is it in this family or that family? We can pretty much guesstimate within, I would say, about 5,000 units how that wow. book is going to do. Well, now we're talking about units. It's a business. So. <laughs> that's that's what we do I'm sorry. Copies. 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 5,000 copies. Because yeah, we, we move, move units. We move units. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he has yeah. a follow-up question, which is totally baiting you. If Marvel's mainstream licensing characters can't appear in Max books, why can they appear as animated corpses who feast on the flesh of the innocent? Meaning, if, if the if the if the Max mandate is, then they're not going to have Spider-Man show up in there because it wouldn't be appropriate. Why can he be all? Because everybody knows zombies aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, the things happening in Max uh, Max has a more grounded in reality take. Realistic. They cuss. Thing. There's. Far worse violence. Yeah. Um, this person has a real issue with zombies, I think. Well, Ron, I th- you're just had a baby. Well, so they're, they're curiously worried. silent on the zombies. I am issue. curiously silent on the zombies. I think the Marvel Zombies 2 is great. I can't wait for it. I'm going to buy it. You know, like that sort of thing. It just, I felt, I and I recently wrote a piece that I felt the zombie. I saw it. I'm sorry. The, I, I felt the zombie hysteria. <laughs> Um, hysteria had come to a bit, you know, like, okay, it's great. Like, it runs the risk of being... Did you like, send this memo to Hollywood also? No. Yeah, well, I mean, par- partially. I mean, but in terms of comics, it, like, it was funny. Recently, I was going through my long boxes, and I came across a copy of Bloodstrike Number 1 from Image. Uh-huh. And it literally had feel the blood written on it, and the ink that the blood was colored in was the kind of... It, it got that gimmicky cover feeling to me, that's all. So, but the thing is, they're variants. So it's yeah. not like it's every, you know, not like no, it's, it's I, not. So I choose personally. I choose not to buy the variants. And it's so, no, yeah. and totally. And it's yeah. I recognize that. It it literally is just it's fun. You know, I, like I saw the I saw the book that we did for saw the proof for the Marvel Zombies the covers, yeah. which initially even I thought was a blatant money grab. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I looked at it, and it's really a freaking cool book because you see the work that Arthur did. Yeah. Also, Arthur Soydum, um, Zombie King, yeah. uh, provides Does he a commentary. Stopping out of the office, like I don't want to do zombies anymore. <laughs> well, that was one of my just as I like. I, I think he, obviously he's got great talent. I've seen what he's done, and 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 like. But then it was funny because I got Wolverine, and mm-hmm. I almost put it back because I thought it was a zombie variant, but it wasn't. Yeah. And I said, "Oh, okay, he's yeah, done, he's yeah. done that. He yeah. did. He did a really cool Moon Knight piece yeah. where it's a riff on the uh, Norman Rockwell painting, Self Portrait. Oh, cool. uh, he." Did a, he did one of the Thor covers that was a non-zombie. Yeah. Um, but Arthur really likes doing that as well. And then also, as you'll see, I mean, Arthur didn't do all of the zombie covers. A lot of people have been wanting to do the zombie thing. Mm-hmm. So well, going he, back to the do we let creators do what they want sometimes, sometimes an artist wants to draw a zombie. 
And it is a popular well, we draw a zombie, it let is, a brother draw a zombie. No, <laughs> come on. Newton got a question. The Newton would like to know if it's if it's really necessary to have 15 X-Men titles. You know, is that... Well, the Newton, a count in Marvel previews. There may be 15 titles. There aren't 15 X-Men titles, but there are people, characters under that franchise. Uh, the same could be said for maybe JLA. Do you count? No, no, no. Do you? That's a. It's a valid point. Do you count all of the Superman, all of the Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, all of those titles under a JLA family? JLA is the main family. X Men is the family. Um, I will tell you after Messiah Complex that every book has its own purpose. You'll never hold up two books and say what's the difference between uncanny and adjectiveless X Men. Um, that is one of the things that new line editor Axel Alonso, executive editor, but he's editing the X-Men line, uh, really wanted going into it. But um, also, we cut back on a ton of X-Men titles. Well, it's just, as, as the longtime X-Men fan, it seems that every time there's a reboot or adjustment to the line, it's always we're scaling back the titles – and each book's going to have its own identity. And it's yeah. been the same thing at least for the past 10 years. And what I always find funny is that every time we're scaling back the titles is we're, we're, they build back up to where they were when they last scaled the back. So, I mean, but it's it like is a, a, it, it's a bathroom. It is a, <laughs> nice. it, whether people like it or not, you don't have to buy all 15 titles. So. Which, I, which I, I finally drew a line in the sand like in 2000. I said, I'm not buying the Rogue Mini and the, all these kind of yeah. things. I'm just buying the core. And, that you know, doesn't... Out. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, you know, then on the same, on the flip side of that coin, there were fans out there saying, what about Rogue? She deserves her own story. Right. You never please everybody. Yeah. Well, and so. for me, I, like, I drew the line of sand. At ex- I didn't buy Extreme, and I don't buy mm-hmm. New X-Men. I'm trying to catch up with New X-Men, and I find myself kind of freaking out. I have to go to Wikipedia because I want to know what happened to them, too. So it's kind of backfiring on me. But yeah, but the minis, I, I can yeah, do without. Anyway. Epoch. Epog. Epog. It's uh, <laughs> <just> four letters. <laughs> Epog. They don't really go together, though. Is the new Annihilation series going to tie into the Marvel Universe more than a two-issue stint in the Nova series? Well, it's more the Annihilation miniseries. Um, I that Epog knows, but um, just like the previous Annihilation, um, it's dealing with its own corner of the Marvel Universe, so it does tie into the Marvel Universe, and just like the previous one had ramifications, which are just now being felt that may not have been um, apparent to people because we didn't want to reveal everything all at once, but (laughs) if you notice in that, the Skrull homeworld was destroyed. The Skrulls have nowhere to go. That's why Secret Invasion is happening now. I didn't even think about that, and I read Annihilation. So we're trying to be smart. Wow. uh, It's not that we're trying to be (laughs) subtle. Things are connected. We just don't necessarily need to say Annihilation is a Secret Invasion crossover right. tie-in. Just yeah. use your head. I was, so. I was dead, I was dead on I was dead on convinced and it's probably in the podcast when I said it that, Annihil- that Annihilation was going to run right into Civil War. Like Civil War was going to end right as Annihilus got to Earth and it would unify everybody and that was my ending. That was what I thought it would, would, would be. <laughs> well, no. But <laughs> I will tell you that certain things happening in the Marvel Universe right now factor into what's going on in Annihilation Conquest in ways that people are going to be truly surprised. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Rofo, do you, does Marvel have any plans to release mainstream books electronically in a day and date fashion? As an no. Author? Okay. I will tell you that right now. Easy enough. <laughs> do you think there'll ever be a time where this could dual platform releases? Mm, not, not my place to say, yeah. but I, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it maybe, but um, you know, right now, right now, we're concentrating on the direct market. Uh, we have our electronic format. Yeah. There's a uh, lot of people asking for the iTunes of comics, but I think that they yeah. don't. I mean, personally, I mean, I'm, I'm as you digital know what? as it comes. The thing that killed more, more, the thing that killed the comic industry the most, honestly, I believe, is the inability to find a comic book store after the bubble burst. Yep. And people don't realize as much how important the brick-and-mortar stores are. Isn't it the number of stores in the U.S. now under, like, 1,500? No, no, uh, my, it's re- my, retail, my retailer was, said he, he saw some numbers, and he said no, that no, it was scary. How it's many, actually how growing. Oh, okay. it, is, it is lower than what it was yeah. in the 90s, yes, yeah. but it's growing. Yeah. Um, and having it day and date is in direct competition to the brick and mortar and makes it more difficult. Now, yes, I can see the flip side of people saying, but then it'll expose more people to comics and all of that. But that's a discussion for another day and for people, not me. <laughs> Chris from Chicago wants to know how far ahead, Joe, how do you say his Matawera. Matawera's how far ahead? <laughs> <laughs> Matawera. <laughs> how far ahead on Ultimates 3 is he? How far ahead is Joe Matt on Ultimates yeah. 3? Yeah. Ahead. Ahead. And now, it's coming out in... It starts in December. Uh, Joe Mad. it's a five-issue series. And uh, it's actually... It, um, Jeff Loeb is telling this overreaching arc um, that Ultimate 3 is a part of. It starts in Ultimate Power 8 and 9. It's called March on Ultimatum. Then it goes to Ultimate's five issues. Ultimate Origin from Brian will be that. And then Ultimatum happens. So it has to come out... In a timely fashion, it can't have the schedule that Ultimates 1 and 2 had, so don't worry about that. That's also why it's five issues and not 12, as initially believed. So, Have you seen any of the art? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, is it good? Yeah. Uh-huh. It, and what's funny is in the 90s, Joe Mad's style was so revolutionary and so different, and I didn't like it at first. I was like, oh, my God, you know, Storm with the weird long bangs, and yeah. I just thought, bleh. Yeah. And... Then you see his stuff now, and you go back and look at his stuff, and you realize that half the guys around today wouldn't be have that style without him. And I can totally respect it. And it makes me look at new and different art today differently as well. To be able to go back and look at these guys who have been around for about 10 years and look at their stuff when it had first come out and how revolutionary it was and see. Um, and you'll start to see people, not clones, but people who were, who were influenced by these artists, and then you realize, then when you see the guy who did it, you're like, oh, it's and, and, amazing. And that's why I'm really curious to see him kind of come back to comics to see how he's evolved and grown. It's you know? dynamic. I mean, there's no real other word for it. Yeah. All right, Kermit G writes in, he just wants to say that he loves Marvel, but wanted to know if Young Avengers will ever get a book again or if, or if the first series will pick up again. There will be a Young Avengers Presents or Young Avengers Spotlight. I cannot remember the full title, but it's going to be in January. The first issue starts. Basically, it's five or six issues, each spotlighting a different character or characters from, um, you know, like big writers. Like Ed Brubaker is going to be doing the Patriot issue. Um, yeah, so yeah. writers that have writers that are dealing with either that character or the older version of that character or the, the inspiration of that character. Um, and then, yes, there will be Young Avengers products. Uh, we're going to keep trying to put out Young Avengers stuff if it's in that format or if they're going to be in books. It, they're a very important property to us. Yeah, I was a and big fan of that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's fantastic. Alan, um, Alan has – I love what his next arc is. Uh, again, though, like uh, Alan could have started – 
Young Avengers, but then we'd we would be waiting for it, similar to Damon's thing, right. because Alan is working very busy on Grey's. See, why can't Grey's so. Anatomy be late? <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, I can't do it. Exactly. Anyway, um, all right, our next question is possibly the best question of the podcast uh, from Rob, Robot Johnson. No matter how many comic books I buy, I still feel dead inside. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I think people might be overestimating your. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my mother and I never really had the relationship. But I, Wolverine and I do. I think this is a question for that, like, nighttime DJ Delilah <laughs> who drives me crazy. You don't have to listen. So I don't. I don't, I don't listen. I change it very quickly. But um, maybe it's not the quantity of comic books you buy, Robot. Maybe it should be the quality. So re-examine maybe, which maybe books you're looking at. Because you're a robot. Yeah. Well, there is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like have you been eviscerated? <laughs> Do you have a soul? All right. Our next question comes from Cam, um, who wants to know, what creator would you like to poach from the competition and for what project? Purely hypothetical, of course. Um, I love Jim Lee, as I've said like 8,000 times in this podcast. Yep. Uh, I also really like Ed Bennis. Um and I have to say that I love uh, just about anything that Jeff Johns writes. Yeah. Um, Kurt Busiek is also over there, and I reread Marvels about once a year, maybe. So Big Astro City fans, yeah. Oh, no, God, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, any of those guys, um, as for which projects? Uh, Whatever they want. Anything. <laughs> All right, um, Adam B. writes in. He says, he's a big fan of the Ultimate Universe. Can you tell us any new characters and titles that will be coming out with without really giving away anything? (laughs) If you read any Ultimate titles, what do you read? Uh, I actually do read the Ultimate titles. I read them all. Um, All four. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, there are big changes. We talked a little bit earlier about the Ultimate U. Um, There will be a lot of new characters coming up, but they're not new. And there will be a lot uh, – there will be um, a new book, and yet the number of titles being published in the Ultimate Universe will remain the same. So I leave that to you to figure out. Interesting. So uh, some, someone is getting canned. Interesting. Jan's <laughs> question is about the loners. Wants to know if there Great. are any plans Woo. to incorporate these characters into the more mainstream of the Marvel U or turn it into an ongoing? CB so. is very upset that it's not considered in the mainstream of the Marvel U right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm upset listening. too. Yeah, jeez. Um, Dark Hawk, Actually, Dark though, Hawk. I think uh, I think Jan is CB Sabolsky. <laughs> <laughs> you do not fool me. Um, Can now you give we, us more credit than we're due. We actually we we we're we big fans listeners, of damn it. <laughs> we're big fans of loners as we are of agents of. I think those are two books that really touched um, touched a lot of people. No, that's not yeah. the right word. There are two books that really resonated, like, resonated with a number of people. And, um, and we're definitely looking at where we can take these characters. And they're not quite ready for ongoings yet, but uh, you'll definitely see more of both Loners and Agents of Atlas. Awesome. I'm happy with that. Um, so, uh, I, Steve wants to know what are the chances of the returning, uh, following superhero, there are three of them here. The first one is the Defenders. Will we see them? Yes, you will. Uh, will they be the four characters that you're thinking of? I'm not saying. Uh, okay. the Invaders? Jim Kruger and Alex Ross's yeah, Avengers Sadowski, Invaders. Steven Sadowski. And Steven Sadowski yeah. is, uh, doing yeah. pencils. 
Uh, and and three Nick Nick Fury's howling commandos. Nick Fury's hiding underground right now. Yeah. However, so Brian has let it leak that Secret Invasion will see the return of Nick Fury. Will he have howling commandos in tow or not? Remains to be answered. That answers his next question. Uh, <laughs> are there any plans for a Bucky Barnes, aka Winter Soldier, to get his own book? He pretty much has it. <laughs> it's called Captain America. <laughs> That's Sorry, true. I, Jim didn't need to answer that one. Uh, will the Illuminati become an ongoing? Read issue five to see what the chances of that are. Well, hi, Steve. It's just a, it's a, these I, are rapid response questions. Yeah. Uh, how long do we have to wait for Doctor Strange to get his own title again? Uh, Doctor Strange is a fantastic supporting character and a fantastic miniseries character, but not a great ongoing character right now. Oh, I love that, that answer. That's a good that's answer. <laughs> that said, uh, the effects or the events that happened in World War Hulk uh, will come back to haunt Doctor Strange, and you will see him take a prominent role in the Marvel U, just not in his own title. Uh, love the Immortal Iron Fist. Will there be more Kung Fu in Marvel's future, like Shang-Chi or Master of Kung Fu? Uh, check out, well, uh, although Here's for Hire is going away, daughter, oh, God. Going away. Is yes. it because <laughs> like... <laughs> Mommy, where's the dog gone? <laughs> there, there, will be, there will be a book uh, dealing with some more Kung Fu action. All right. Does Marvel have any plans for a weekly title along the lines of yeah, my Spider-Man. <laughs> my, my favorite answer about weekly titles is yeah. we do our comics strongly. Um, <laughs> oh, that's awful. <laughs> will uh, this is actually a new person? Uh, Deus Ex Kyle asks, "Will we see Thor interact with any of the Avengers teams anytime soon?" Well, you saw him kick Iron Man's ass in issue three. Uh, he's busy finding his family. However, after the first arc, uh, you will see Thor start to pop up in places. But uh, I would say that there's still that defining moment of when Thor is going to make his presence known in the Marvel U, uh, and that will be made at the moment of most impact. He likes to make an entrance. He's dramatic that way. It's the long hair you can tell. Who is the one Marvel character is the one to watch right now? It's a good question. That's a very good question. That is a good question. Um, Just say Thor. We can move on. <laughs> Thor. No. <laughs> it's obviously Darkhawk. <laughs> uh, Peter Parker. I would say. Not Spider-Man. Oh, okay. interesting. Uh, love Marvel Comics present. How long will each creative team story arc be? It will vary. Uh, there are some 12-part arcs. There are some done-in-ones. There's some four parts. So uh, just take a look at the credits page to see how long each one will be. <laughs> just keep buying it. Um, pure and simple. This is from Andy. Pure and simple. What's your favorite comic book in print today? I think that this podcast is already answered. <laughs> Runaways. Dave, <laughs> oh right, uh, that oh, one. Yeah. A little that little book here. called Runaways. Dave Graham. Last year, right before the Annihilation series, Marvel released an Essentials volume for Nova. This year, a volume for Dazzler. How much Which longer? Which rocks? Here it comes. Awesome. Here it comes. How much longer am I going to have to wait for an Essentials volume of the New Warriors or even Dark Hawk? You know, I actually sent an email this week, <laughs> apropos of nothing, just out of the blue. <laughs> I sent an email saying, hey, we should do classic New Warriors. Like, like we have, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I love the New Universe, and I was the first person to quit work on the Friday that our bundle came in, and DP7 Classic was in there. I literally left work and read it. I think we need to put out a, a classic New Warriors. Uh, I think it would support Avengers of the Initiative because Vance is there. Okay. It would support the current New Warriors book. There are a couple of characters popping up in other places that it would support. So I'm pushing for it. If it doesn't happen, it's not because of my blood, sweat, and tears. What about Darkhawk? Darkhawk Essentials would be <laughs> awesome. Great Mike Manley pencils. 
I mean, I know I have all the issues, but still, it would be nice to have it. When loners becomes an ongoing. Right. <laughs> he's got a CB. Fo- he's got a follow-up question. What is ha- uh, what has to happen to get the alias omnibus reprinted? Uh, printers have to be turned on. <laughs> Paper has to go well, through. Well, that's that's the one thing about the uh, about the omnibuses, though, is that yeah, they, there the is omnibi. a there on the buys that there is a limited. I mean, I we clearly busted my ass to get Fantastic Four because yep. I waited. Yeah. May, I mean, honestly, guys, I cannot stress enough. Communicate with your retailers. Talk to the guy that runs your shop or the woman and say, I want this. Make sure they order it and put it aside. People say, what, you know, how can we hold back on second printings or um, why do things sell out so quickly? You have to have a hold box or at least communicate because those guys don't know how much to order. We're a non-returnable company. They're a small business owner. It's got to be a dialogue. We talk to the retailers. You guys need to talk as well and let them know what you want and what you need. Also, communicate. You know, if, if, if you want some of these things, talk about that. There's also a board, the Marvel Masterworks message board, that yep, a lot I, of our collections guys um, haunt and post on. So for some of your collections things, um, talk to those guys. There. Scott B. writes, there's been a lot of speculation about this question, but, but was it Ed Brubaker's original intent to kill Captain America or was Civil War created to allow it to happen? All right. Uh, as I think Ed may himself have answered before, but yes, it's always been Ed's intent to kill Captain. I don't Cap. there was any speculation about that. Yes. Yeah, there wasn't much speculation. Well, was there, well there were people who claimed that we made, Ed, we made Cap, Ed kill off Cap, that we interrupted Ed's master storyline. But if you go back and look, what... Killed Cap wasn't Civil War. What it was a bullet. Ki- yeah. It was a bullet shot by his ex-lover who'd been brainwashed by a guy posing as a shrink who was hired by his returned-from-the-dead Nazi arch enemy. Which had nothing to do with Civil War. Correct. Not or a- zombies. And yet it had nothing to do <laughs> we'll with back. Ed's intent. No. <laughs> it had everything to do with Ed's intent. The story that Ed is telling, he pitched long ago. Now, um, could that story have existed without Civil War? Uh, you know, have. it would have. It yeah. would not have happened when it happened. Right. I think Ed had about six more issues. I think he actually said he had between six months and a year before he was ready. But then when he found out, he had more than enough time to plan for it. Right. And even he saw how awesome it was to be able to do right then. But yeah, this is the story that Ed wanted to tell. And this is the story why that book was relaunched from the beginning. We've known where this is going for a while. Awesome. As has Ed. <laughs> All right, we're in the home stretch here. Woo! All right, uh, Jen from Naples writes, She has no artistic talent and limited storytelling ability, but she loves comic books. What are some support positions that are integral to the comics industry that a fangirl like myself could get a job doing? You know, I saw this question online, and I was glad that uh, we got a chance to address this. Awesome. Um, there are lots of – there are a number of things. Uh, there is everything from production – um, so, uh, which is putting the books together, compositing, and I wish that I could tell you what on earth the program is that they use to InDesign? composite books right now. InDesign, thank you. Uh, they use InDesign to composite the books. Um, that's that's working within the Marvel bullpen. Um, take a look. At- was, I thought that was a myth. What? Marvel bullpen. No, oh, it's right over there. <laughs> <laughs> Where is John Romita? <laughs> no, we, we only have. He's still here. He you hasn't tell gone Jonathan home. Ross, he's been looking for Steve Ditko. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, there is um, publishing ops operations. That's how I got my start, which is traffic management, uh, deliverables, uh, editorial. 
Um, just because you may not be able to write a story doesn't mean you don't know what a good story is, um, or you can't learn from the masters of people like Axel Alonso, Tom Rebor, things like that. Uh, things like that. People like that. Um, so editorial is definitely one. Then the 11th floor is filled with people who wear ties and... We noticed, know, yeah. Yeah, like people who don't dress like me. Um, and, you know, that's something that... You know, there's there's IT, there's uh, uh, licensing, there's legal... I mean, um, you're a company, so you've so, got yeah. all the same functions that a company might have. Yeah, what totally. about the online department? Is that, where does that dot fall com is yeah. Dotcom's huge, yeah. and it's growing. It's yeah. big time, especially um, as we get more and more original content. I think people might be noticing we have some of the videos that we're doing. Uh, we have a video editor in-house. So it totally depends on what it is that you do. One of the, the most important thing, though, at Marvel is that you're doing what you love and that you are here not for a job but for the family. That was literally one of the things that I was asked in my la final interview. They said, we want somebody not who's looking at this as a job, but as, this is where somebody really wants to be and be for a while. And for a fanboy like me, hell yeah. This well, is it's, I, I mean, it's interesting because we've talked about this too because we think that on, some, on one hand it would be really good to be a big fanboy. But then on the other hand, like I, we interviewed Chris Eliopoulos and he said that one of the things that got him his early gig was that he didn't even like read comics. He didn't even like them. Well, know, it's so, a very fine yeah. line and I would say that we have about 50-50. We usually end up converting them and if we don't, we fire them. No. <laughs> um, Assimilate. Yeah, yes. Um, but no, I mean... It, it, it just ran crying out of the room. It's true. <laughs> it, helps to have a, it helps to have a working knowledge into, because it, it it shortens the learning curve when you first start. But um, the important thing is to have a love of the characters. You may not necessarily know everything that happened to Spider-Man, mm -hmm. but you can still be a, a fan of Spider-Man and want to be a part of that. Conversely, it may not help to show up in your interview in a Thor helmet. Yeah. I really it's like the character. Depends on who you're interviewing with, I guess. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a fine line. <laughs> Watch the American Idol audition process. <laughs> Imagine comics. Exactly. <laughs> I have a question for you before we move on. Okay. You, you, <laughs> <Conical> Patrick. <laughs> for those of you at home, his hand went up. Crazy. <laughs> You, you, you came to the job as a as a fan of comics. Did, I did. It, did it change um, your perception knowing how the sausage was made? You know what I mean. Like you came in, you're, you yeah, know, people no. people say they don't ever want to see how the sausage is made. They don't want to enjoy it. Does it change you knowing how the, the comics are made and how the storylines are put together? To I no longer change? eat comics. Right. Well, that's, that's what you asked. Yeah. Um, you know it. Uh, no, it actually deepened my respect for it. Mm -hmm. um, I came here as a fan. Yeah, there are days where I miss just showing up at the store on Wednesday, forking over some money, going home, reading, and then bitching about it. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can still do that just in a limited audience. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. But no, um, it it actually deepened it deepened my respect for it, and it definitely changed it. It made it a way more personal thing. Um, the the I helped out, one of the first things that I helped out, um, last year was my first year for the con circuit, and um, I had the honor of helping Jeff Loeb uh, do the uh, auction for right. Superman Batman 26. Um, I didn't know Sam, but I'd been working with Jeff, uh, and you found out, you know, like, yeah, here's this comic that you went and you forked over some money for, but then you see these pages and you meet the artists and you see what it meant to them, mm -hmm. And it put a real human aspect to it that I think is missing. Um, not missing, it, but it's overlooked um, and it's, it's downplayed. One of the things that 
actually Joe Q had said to me early on when I first started doing publicity and marketing and I would go online and I'd get all upset when I would <laughs> see, I, I mean, cause I do, I get really upset when um, people start railing at us and they're off base. I conversely, I can see when people are right. Yeah. I, I'll freely admit that we make some mistakes, but Joe said, which These guys, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe said that um, something that he had learned was people buy the comics. They've been buying them for a long time, and we as people working at Marvel are going to come and go. With the exception of Stan, all of us are going to come and go. These characters are going to stay. So they, it, a, for a lot of fans, the mindset is that the characters are the real ones that deserve protecting and, and, and that deserve, and, and they're the human ones and we're the faceless machine. Whereas it's the opposite. It's these stories are coming from people's experiences using these characters that are recognizable, but there's a massively more, there's a far more human element to comics than the casual fan will ever really be able to understand or realize unless they are a part of the industry. Wow, I got really deep. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> uh, I hate to ask our next question. Uh, <laughs> What's with all the zombie covers? <laughs> this one comes from the Pacepot Pete fan club. Who I freaking love, but his name's Trapster. Well, yeah, well when will Marvel show proper respect for Pacepot Pete, a.k.a. the Trapster? You know, he, go, he pontificates about how um, he was just in, in Fantastic Four and how Claremont talked about him in Fantastic Four, but we need more of him. Um, in his you know, Brian opinion. is doing a lot. Bendis, Brian Bendis is doing a lot of stuff with uh, villains right now. Uh, the most recent issue of New Avengers really sets the stage for it. That was very cool. That was a great scene. And it's just the beginning. A scene with Greg Argoyle was in that scene. And I don't know if you guys noticed I that. Did not I, see I, him. I love the Greg Argoyle. <laughs> he was in the back, yes. And I love <laughs> and I love Trapster. Why is he talking like Batroc? Because he's know. French. He's a French physicist it's true, yes, or it's scientist who. Who? That's why he has the pencil thin mustache and the collar. Oh. He's was French and he got the ability to turn things to stone and decided to rob How banks. Are you work here See, and not know that. No, <laughs> because I like the gargoyle. Yeah, personally, the hero okay. like yeah. way more than Grey Gargoyle. Yeah. Grey Gargoyle got jobbed like three times this year. Oh yeah, I know. It's, that's why it's fantastic. It's hysterical. <laughs> I, my, I got a bust in Charlotte. It was awesome. Right. Anyway, but enough about me. Um, <laughs> um, but, no, I, but yeah, take a look at uh, the, the villains. A lot of people. This, this is indicative of a uh, bigger question and. Uh, I'll freely admit, for the past two or three years, our heroes have just been punching each other, but you're going to definitely see a return of heroes punching villains and possibly losing. Um, as villains, long as there's the, punching, I think people yes. are going to yeah. be all right. But there, there's, there's been, the villains have not been idle, and we've been very aware of what they've been doing. Now you guys are going to start to see what they've been up to. Because yeah. that so. was during Civil War. That was my question is kind of what are the villains, or, or were you guys missing the boat by not exploring yeah. that? But nope. You got, cool. It's... Uh, uh, everything for its own time. And the Pacepot Pete, Pete fan club also asks for more Fin, fin, fin Fang Foom and more other Marvel monsters. Fin Fang Foom Hulk one-shot in December. Oh, that's a good one. Oh. Covered by Jimmy Chung. It's oh. awesome. Um, and finally, our last question comes from Paper, um, who <laughs> says, it's fantasy baseball time or fantasy comics time. What is your ideal Avengers lineup? Uh, you know what? It's funny. We were talking recently about characters who would be ideal Avengers that had never been in there. And one popped into my head that I thought would make a really good Avenger, especially since her debut is in Avengers Annual number 10, but Rogue, I think, would be a fantastic Avenger. I just Avenger. bought that issue. 
it's a great issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got um, it. Uh, some there's issue. so much that comes from that issue. But yeah, oh yeah, no, that's what it was. What happened with my store? Got a guy sold his collection, and my store owner was like, "Avengers Annual Tens in there." He's like, "Do you have that?" I was like, "No." He's like, "You should get that." I'm like, "You're right, I should." And so I bought it. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love back issues. Chris Moltisanti is your retailer. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> you should get that one. <laughs> you should totally do that. Um, but uh, Hawkeye. Uh, as so, Hawkeye. Ha- so Hawkeye, Hawkeye? Um, as Hawkeye, not as Hawkeye, Rogue yeah. Hawkeye, yeah, Rogue Hawkeye. I have all, uh, uh, I've always loved Jacosta. There's oh. something about her, and she would fill the information role, the like vision that role. Vision would yep. have taken. Yep. Beast as an ape, oh. um, and that's our strong. That's kind of our strong guy. Yep. Um, I. Uh, God, and what's funny is I have like 500 Avengers. Like I have from just before George Perez's run oh. all the way through, and I am freezing up right now. Um, <laughs> it's got to be a classic. You've got to like, have a couple of the legacy. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess Hawkeye counts as that. Hawkeye, Hawkeye is a bit of a legacy. Um, Iron Man, I really think, does a good role. I don't know if he should be an active team member, but I've always liked the connection to the Maria Stark Foundation. Yep. Uh, so I think he's important for that. Um, Luke Cage is presenting himself as a really cool one, but I feel like that'd be too many powerhouses. Yeah. I'm geeking out here. You need, like, a, hmm. you need a fly, you need a flyer. Rogue flies, Rogue but you need flies, one. You need another flyer. And yeah. you know, I, I like Thor the way he is now. Yeah. Like I've never really identified well with Thor, but what JMS is doing with him, I really do. So when we get around to that, but he can also be way too Deus Ex Machina, yeah. literally a god in the machine. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh crap. This is a difficult question. <laughs> Paper. Um, um, no love for Pim. <laughs> actually, Jan. I think yeah. Jan is Jan is very important. She's I kind of the she, heart. Yeah, She's definitely the heart. She would be the heart of the Avengers. Um, and uh, where's an Avengers person on our wall? It's a giant uh, Marvel mural. Yeah, there's us. but and there are very few Avengers. people who have been Avengers Wonder Man or would be Wonder Man. Yeah, Simon. I, I didn't like Wonder Man. Like Wonder Man. Um, I'd love to have Mockingbird back if Hawkeye were on the team, yeah, but I guess that's not allowed. Well, that is it's fantasy. Yeah, exactly. So um, I freaking loved the West Coast Avengers team. I will just tell Dude. you right now. There you go. Like, there's your moment. <laughs> they're kind of my ideal. Like I loved them. I also loved the um, Perez era Avengers. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I could the like early Perez era. Yeah, early Perez era. Yeah. Not that that was bad. But no, was no. Bad. The Buziak Perez yeah, was really good. But though, did he? Yeah. the but triathlon. If, if I could. Oh. If I could. <laughs> The later we make this go, the more honest he's going to be. <laughs> if I could mesh those he has, two. He has yeah. three times the ability of normal people. <laughs> Who tried Three times. <laughs> awesome. But what's a normal person? Wasn't he a Scientologist? Oh. No, he's like a Scientologist. Yeah. Though. So, but, then, but then I also would love, you know what? If I could do that, I would, I would take some of, the guy, some of the folks from those. Actually, the people that I named. Yep. And then I'd mix it up, and I would graduate or elevate Hulkling and Wiccan. Cool. As the youngins. As yes. The, yeah, very cool. So what's so, up now, Paper? So, 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 take so it, bring it. So paper. take it one step forward, Uh-oh. ideal X-Men lineup. I knew you were going to ask know, me I that to. one. Or what is, your, what is your ideal team number, five or seven? Because there's always got to be five or seven team members, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so good. A five if you limit it down to, like, Honestly, there's a team that's formed in Messiah Complex yeah. that kicks 
so much ass, it's not even funny, and it's Storm, Wolvie, Sci- uh, Storm, Wolvie, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Angel. That's awesome. Yeah. That team yeah. is awesome. Ron, put yeah. your pants on. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right, but so you're, you're, you're ideal. Mine, yeah. um, Storm with a mohawk. Yes. I just uh, put that into this week's video. Our video yeah. shows has Storm with a mohawk pops up. Excellent. Oh, there's a teaser. <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler, Colossus. Wolvie as a supporting role, as he always should have been. Uh, no, was. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, uh, Dazzler. Um, but I have my feelings about Dazzler and her power usage, and I think it can be amped up really freaking well. Rogue, again, because I freaking love her, um, unless she's over on the Avengers. If she's on the Avengers, then I have to come up with somebody else. Uh, Psylocke as an Asian ninja. Uh, with the sword, not or, I'm sorry, with the knife, not the sword, yeah. um, and not the British terry cloth hood yeah, no. version. No, and um, then to graduate because I loved the New Mutants. I would have to pull a New Mutants up member up, and if it's fantasy, I would pull Magic. Ah, cool. They, I, see her and Colossus together on a team would be interesting. Yeah. On a team. They've, they've they've crossed. Oh, no, what you, your team? Wolverine, you just, Wolverine, and nice. and Colossus yeah. and Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the no. ladies have the predominant. Yeah, they Dude, do. Uh, I would love. Leading. You know what I think would be uh, awesome? Oh yeah. yeah, we've had the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I'm waiting for the Sisterhood. sisterhood. Yeah, Sisterhood of Evil Mutants or just Sisterhood That'd of Mutants? That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mystique, of e- anything. Mystique. Um, who else are female villain? Lady Deathstrike. Yeah, yeah. Although she's not a mutant, she's, but yeah. still, but still, but she's in the universe. Yeah, that would be good. So we'd like to thank everyone for listening. <laughs> yeah, this. and as we so. kind of like, it's like, what's your ideal Fantastic Four? <laughs> well, we don't know how to end shows. <laughs> we don't. So we just want to thank you, Jim, for giving us your time. Thank it's you a late guys. night here in the Marvel office, but we appreciate it. And um, and thank you to everybody on the iFanboy.com for submitting your questions. Can I put Cloak and Dagger on the Avengers? Sure. Okay, thanks. Why not? So, um, But before we go, is there anything else that we didn't cover about Marvel that's the, you want to plug or anything? I can't imagine. I know. No, but I just you know, I don't I mean, want to not Runaways? Runaways. runaways. No. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a little book I didn't bring up yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called New Avengers.